Sure. Yeah. How's that sound? I'm just going to start. All right. Oh, boy. So, everybody, I'm doing this show. This is different, obviously, because it sounds different. I'm not in New Jersey doing this show right now. Where am I? I'm one half of the way through the exciting West Coast tour for Sharpling and Worcester's uh, late summer, early, no, it's still late summer, it's late August, early September, uh, what is that, jaunt, is a jaunt four, four, four count as a jaunt, I'm going to say four counts as a jaunt, and where am I now, well, I'm in San Francisco, and we did the shows in uh, Seattle, we did Seattle the other night. And then we did, uh, Portland and, um, yeah, the shows are super fun. I think everybody seems to be having a good time at them. And we had, uh, good crowds coming out for them. Seattle had a lot of great people. Portland was sold out. We had, uh, nice surprise guests for the Gary the Squirrel. Uh, the, you know, he shows up at selected dates. I don't want to promise he's at every date, but it's, uh, if he's in town, he pops up on stage and does uh, a thing. He's going to be there. Don't worry. If it's selected. Try to add some sense of mystery into it as if he's not there. If you're coming, he's coming to any of the shows on this tour. So, yeah, Gary, uh, who was there? Ben Gibbard was there in Seattle. Gary gave him the business. And then uh, it was like a one-two punch in uh, Portland was uh, Matt Fraction, the comic book writer who you know has been on the show uh, plenty of times, and he's a good friend, a very good friend. I'm going to say he's a great friend of mine, upgrading him from very good to great friend. He was there, and uh, then uh, Stephen Malcolmus from Pavement was there, and... Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. So I will say if you are in San Francisco or Los Angeles, that we're doing those shows on, uh, September 3rd, we're doing San Francisco at the Great American Music Hall. And then on the 5th in Los Angeles at the El Rey Theater, uh, there are still tickets for both of those shows, so you go to Stereolaughs, L-A-F-F-S dot com slash tour, and you can get your info on uh, that and buy the tickets through that uh, through our site with that. So yeah, it's been fun doing the shows, and it's fun meeting everybody coming out afterwards, so many nice people, and they're all... I don't know if they just are like, they think I'm going to scream at them or something. They apologize. I don't mean to take, the, I just wanted to say the show is my favorite show ever. Please, can I say that without you screaming in my face? It's like, of course you can say that. Where am I? People don't get nice things said to them every day. I'm, it's very flattering when people say nice things. And look, if I've, if I've had enough, not saying when I've had enough, that makes it sound, but if we're doing a thing and it's too much, I'll gracefully 
find the the wrap up to it. We'll both walk away with dignities intact. It's not going to be going to make you feel bad or scream in your face. Look, I, I've been on the wrong side of that. I've told you guys the stories. Writing for a basketball magazine at Nick's training camp, right when Michael Jordan was coming back. Basketball magazine said, we'll give you $50, $50 for any quotes you can get about Michael Jordan returning. And this was when he was returning to go play uh, for the uh, the Wizards. Remember that run that everybody seems... Remember when he played in that dark blue jersey in Washington, D.C. and was like old and creaky and limping up the floor? Yeah, that, that return. Um, the one when he would like score 10 points a game. Oh, that's exciting watching. I think I saw Michael Jordan, uh, yeah, I went to see Michael Jordan. What, what was that like? Well, he played for 35 minutes. He took uh, 91 shots and uh, scored eight points. It was really, really great to see one of the all-time legends like that in person. I, something I just tell generations to come about what that was like. So I'm at the Knicks training camp writing for this magazine, ostensibly there to do an article on trying to think if this was the time I interviewed Latrell Sprewell as he walked backwards the whole time. As I walked backwards. He walked forward. I walked backwards as he walked to the locker room, giving me the interview time being just the length of what it took to go from the court to the shower. And then I somehow spun that into a cover story for this magazine. You'd think I had sat with him for eight hours, the way I wove that one. Or if it's the time I had uh, four minutes with Marcus Camby to do the thing, and look, these guys, they don't care. They don't talk. So I've already been on that side. That's not even what I'm getting to. Spike Lee's at the Knicks training camp. I'm in this gym, which is a gym that's, it's like four gyms, basically. Four full-length basketball courts up at uh, Nick's training camp. Uh, so he's at the exact opposite end of the thing. I have to walk across two basketball courts. He's got no cell phone out. He's just sitting by himself, like alone. Not in the middle of anything. So then I... Uh, I walk all the way across. He sees me walking all the way across. I get up to him and I say, uh, uh, Hi, Mr. Lee. I'm working for... Uh, was, that, was I writing for Inside Stuff magazine at that point? Like, I'm writing for Inside Stuff. And he just goes, Yeah, I'm not working today. And then, like, looks away at what? I'm not sure. Like, I, he's looking at, like, the foam padding on the wall of a gym just to not have to look at me anymore. And then I had to walk all the way back. So yeah, I know what it's like to have bad encounters. I'm staying at the hotel still 
where one of my all-time worst happened in this calendar year. The memories are flooding back every time I get in the elevator. This is where I asked Patty Smith if she saw Humble Pie back in the day. Maybe top two low points of this year, and my father died this year. So I'm going to say, here's how my year's gone. My father died, then my grandmother died, then I asked the Patty Smith thing. I'm putting the Patty Smith thing at number two. That beats out my grandmother. I'm sorry. That was... And she just said that was before her time. That's not true. They were around. I see those Humble Pie albums, the dates on them, and I know when she was around. They were at the Fillmore all the time. She was at the Fillmore all the time. It Her, her thing doesn't track. This won't be resolved until I actually talk to her about this in some formal setting. And ask her what it was like when somebody, when you were trapped in that elevator, and then some guy said, I don't know if I, there's no way I said I've been meaning to ask you, because that would make it sound even a hundred times scarier than if it was off the top of my head, because it was off the top of my head. So I said, if you saw Humble Pie back in the day, what they were like. And she's like, yeah, it's before my time. And then got off on maybe not her floor. Uh, just the first time the doors opened, she got out. And then she was probably in, like, the fire, the stairwell, walking seven flights up to her actual floor just to get away from the guy in the elevator talking about Humble Pie. Look, all she had to say was, yeah, Peter Frampton's pretty awesome in Humble Pie. He sang a couple songs, too. People forget that. And you know why I asked that? It's because I was in a cab in Memphis, and this cab driver was like, I saw all the shows. I saw everyone. He started naming everything you could ever imagine. And he was like, I was like, well, who was best? Who's the all-time best? He said, not even a question. Humble Pie. Really? It's like Steve Marriott, when he was up there, he was doing splits. People don't realize. You just hear the thing, you don't see that he was doing splits while singing like that. Okay. Well, I'll take your word for it, cab driver, but I'm going to need to get a second opinion. Maybe I'll ask Patty Smith what she thinks of your opinion. So, yeah. We're taking the scenic route in terms of me telling you, if we're talking, just say we keep talking. I'm not going to yell at you. It's very nice seeing everybody on these uh, tours, and we're having so much fun. It really is great to, to because we, you know, John and I, we do the show in such closed quarters forever, and now we're in front of everybody, and it gets to be a shared experience. So I enjoy that part of it. And you know who um, I'm actually here with is, uh, if you've seen the shows in New York, the band that was on stage was the Theme Weavers. The Theme Weavers do the theme for the best show, which we will have heard at the top of this through the magic of audio manipulation. And... uh 
they are the band for the uh for the entire this entire west coast tour and uh, i'm here i have anthony bedard here how are you how's it going tom it's good thank you for doing this and thank you for doing all these shows you and the theme weavers thanks for having us this is my first time ever uh recording a podcast inside of an elevator uh, here at yeah. the hotel. we're back at the now first of all <laughs> let's not say the name of the hotel i still am going to be there after this comes out i don't want to get my ultimate fear in life you know what my ultimate fear is at this point in my life is just getting that fast knifing in like prison movies when somebody goes through a thing it's like hey how are you and then you're dead and you got it's over in like four it's like four seconds somebody just goes it's like Scarface when when he, when he gets that first guy in Scarface when they're in the detention camp. Remember that scene? Yeah. That movie's not very good, is it, Scarface? That's like a really bad movie, actually, that has strangely taken on. I mean, it's closer in quality to like Rocky Horror Picture Show in terms of actual quality as a movie. For the fandom, it's at that level. Maybe bordering on like Ed Wood level laughable versus worshipfulness. But no, you still see those shirts, those wraparound t-shirts with, you know, the ones that are like the full print. Every inch of it is taken up with the giant bag of money and a quote from Tony Montaigne. I've seen some of the, uh, the best show nation wearing their Say hello to my little friend shirts. Yes. Well, let's get ready to meet my little friend. Because a long time ago, someone called the show, and we were talking about movie quotes, and they said, what about the movie quote from Scarface, get ready to meet my little friend, which softens the entire point of the thing in Scar. That's like the final five minutes of the movie. He's got a, He just stuck his head in a mountain of cocaine, and he knows he's going to get machine gunned but he breaks out with his machine gun he doesn't say get ready to meet my little friend sounds like he's doing a puppet show or something get ready to meet my little friend no but i've seen those shirts out too but that movie's not very good is it it hasn't aged well (laughs) it's not aged well that score what is that tangerine dream it sounds like a ken russell movie scarface put better synth music on that thing right two years if you made that thing after two years later he probably would have had uh who would have done the soundtrack orchestral maneuvers in the dark he probably at that rate the rate brian de palma was moving with that one and then you know then well i I can't think of that movie without thinking of you know the miami vice tv show so then you had the the yon hammer he probably would have gotten yon hammer to do it right that that's that's right he would have poached him from Miami Vice. And that, like, between that movie and Miami Vice, it's like, have you been to Miami? I grew up in South Florida. Okay. What do you think of Miami? Well, I, would, I grew up in uh, in Broward County, the Fort Lauderdale area. Okay. So we got down to Miami, you know, mm-hmm. every, every so often, but mm-hmm. uh, most of the time is... You know, suburban Fort Lauderdale. Oh, I went to I went to high school across the street from Rolling Hills Country Club, 
which is where they shot Caddyshack. Really? So that was Bushwood in the movie. Bushwood, and one of my uh, one of my classmates was an actual caddy at that golf course. And uh, that's crazy. I didn't know they shot that in Florida, in Davie, Florida. Wow, just just right right near Fort Lauderdale. Movie doesn't seem as sweaty as that. Like a Florida golf course would seem to like bring out of people, right? You know what I mean? It seems cooler. They don't seem as you know, like I'm, I'm not sure how they achieved that special effect mm-hmm. because my recollection of growing up in South Florida was 98 degrees, 100 percent humidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was... <laughs> but it's like they don't look they don't look sweaty in it. Now, there's one I'm gonna I'll probably think about that the rest of my life. Why are they not all sweaty in Caddyshack? But then you watch like Repo Man, like Harry Dean Stanton. He's like. Like somebody dumped a bucket of water on his head. That's how he looks in every movie. He looked ill. He looked in poor health in the first movie he starred in, all the way up to that. Like it's like wow, he's got like that Danny DeVito thing where it's like Danny DeVito looked like that when he was like twenty two, and then now he's like sixty. You're like, man, Danny DeVito doesn't look bad. It's like yeah, he looked terrible when he was twenty two. He just never got worse than that to where everybody else fell apart to where somehow they're like his rate of decay at a very low point on the on the scale would you agree with that i would so florida miami you grew up in broward county as a kid did you like miami when you went down there did it feel a little fancy for your liking i don't i don't really think it was it was all that fancy back in the uh back in the 70s it was uh one of the times we went down there, oh, we would go to the annual, we would go see an annual Miami Dolphins game, and that was always kind of like a mm-hmm. pretty, getting to and from the stadium was always vaguely terrifying. Okay, okay. Um, let's see. Did you root for the U? U of M, no. No. I wasn't big into college sports. But um, When you have pro, I never understood when there's like pro sports available to you, why you'd be like... No, I'd rather watch worse people play this. Like, I'd rather watch, it's like, I don't want to watch college movies, like movies, well, a college student made this movie. Well, I'll watch this over an adult anytime. Please give me movies that college students are making. Or, do you want to see this college student do stand-up or improv? Yes, over an adult? Yes, of course I do. But college sports, I don't know. I, w- I want to see an adult do the things. Yeah, I'll, for yeah, pro sports over college sports, definitely. Yeah. So you moved out of there when? When did you move out of Florida? I went to Boston in the early '80s. I was there. Went up to Boston. I was probably there like from about '83 through '88, '89. And when does the rock start? When did the rock start? Oh God, what a do you remember a twin tone artist named Jeff Warian? No. I saw that was, I think that was the first show I saw at the Rat in Boston. Mm-hmm. But uh kind of fell in with became kind of obsessed with the Volcano Suns and a yeah. bunch of that stuff that was going on. Yeah, I'm super I, I don't know how that happened where that band like spoke to me more than like any other band ever. Isn't that weird? Like yeah, I, you know, I went to pretty much every show they played in that 
I don't know, five or six year period. Yeah, it's crazy. I saw where like people will be like, you talk to people who are like super, like we're there for Mission of Burma and they're just like, yeah, Mission of Burma is better than Volcano Suns. And I'm just like, well, I think I'd rather listen to Volcano Suns records than Mission of Burma records. I'm sorry. I appreciate what's great about Mission of Burma records, but Volcano Suns records are like fun also. Yeah. I, I thought they had a better sense of humor. You know, yeah. That was right. They were, it was a, they were a good fun, but they were still smart. And artistic too. They weren't dumb. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. So, so you, but you, for people, you're, you did the theme, the best show theme and that you, you formed the theme weavers to do the original best show opening theme. Yep. We, uh, we entered the theme song contest. Yeah. That's right. Uh, there was a, uh, for the newer listeners. Mm hmm. I guess this is going back what like eight or nine years. Probably, like yeah. There, uh, there was an open-ended theme song contest where people were just kind of emailing in submissions, and you, I don't know. I guess each week for the period of several months, you would kind of open up the the mailbag and play the latest the latest entry. Yeah, it was one of those contests that kind of didn't have an a, a deadline because yeah. it was like. Where are we going here? What's the rush? Everybody wants to do this. They can send their thing in. But then... I think what happened was, I, I mean, I didn't really have any original intention of, of entering the contest. Mm-hmm. But people were sending in... I remember the early entries were a lot of uh, kind of collage, mm-hmm. maybe kind of um, fragments. You know, like people were putting maybe electronic music and then sampling... <laughs> The, the voices of callers from the show and kind of doing, you know, electronic collage cut up. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like the kind of thing where they'd go get some like free, free license music thing and then just lay things on top of it. Like the music was not as exciting as the, the ideas they had, but you went. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just kind of, you know, we'd just listen each week and go, oh, no, no, it's, that is not, that is not a yeah. theme. Cause you were like, I, you, were you just like, I don't want to hear that every week. Please don't let that win yeah, this no, thing. Nothing, it, nothing was jumping out as, as something that was really going to be a kind of a classic theme. And, and at this point you're, you're in the Hank Four also. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hank yeah. We were, we were doing the Hank Four band at mm-hmm. that point. So we, we had an active band. Okay. Playing and recording and, doing all that but i um yeah i mean i think you know i I grew up watching a bunch of the classic 70s tv shows so to me i mean you know knowing what a big like rockford files fan you know that you were like rockford files kind of figures into the the lore of the best show but then i was also into theme songs like the hello larry theme song a really a a pretty bad tv show but a classic theme why am I not the, remembering it? You know, the way, hello, Larry, you talk to people all day for a living, all those breezy, he's, he's a DJ, like a, yeah. a radio advice DJ, McLean mm-hmm. Stevenson yeah. left MASH to star in his own it was, sitcom vehicle. Yeah. It was his big power play when he was like, look, this MASH thing is all well and good, but this is the script I've got in my hand for the pilot of Hello, Larry. 
this is the future. And then he, he left MASH and they killed his character so he could never return, which was yep, the kind of awesome. The yeah. helicopter blew up. It's kind of awesome to do that. It's like, hey, you're going to leave us? Well, guess what? You're never coming back here again. Your character just crashed into the side of a mountain. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, so that was what made you want to do the theme uh, based on that sort of. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I mean, I kind of like those, you know, it's just something that was kind of a, a legitimate classic kind of TV show theme. That's, I guess that's what I thought mm-hmm. the best show should have. Okay. And, None of the entries that were coming in, I thought were, I thought they were pretty much a lot, a lot of them were off the mark. Sure. And, uh, I don't, so it was just something that was in my mind, kind of like this increasing, no, these people don't get it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, who played on that? Well, yeah, I I was riding my bike through Golden Gate Park one day and I mean, all of a sudden this, I mean, basically I think the whole thing just kind of popped into my head, like the music and the lyrics and everything. And, Mm jumped off my bike and I called my home answering machine <laughs> and sung it to the answering machine mm-hmm. and then uh, called up the, the guys in Hank four and something that happened like kind of a middle, you know, like on a Thursday, we got together on Saturday down at the practice space, yeah. recorded it, mixed mm-hmm. it, sent it to you on Monday. Then it's Tuesday. It's on the air. Tuesday it was on the air. But then even even after that, like the, the contest continued for several more months. <laughs> I, it, yes, it did. There were no end date. There was no – it was – I was doing the show on WFMU especially. There's just no reason to like wrap anything up. It's like we're in the – it's like being in the infinite here, like – Okay, there's no beginning or end to any of this. So, but then eventually the song was declared a winner because there were two winners. So you were declared one of the two winners. Yeah. So now the theme weavers uh, are the, the band that does all the music for the live shows, which is so exciting for this tour and for the New York shows. Is that fun for you to be like the the dude, the the band leader? It's a it's a blast, a total blast. It's a, man, how could it be any more fun? And I think the the hardest part right now is standing up on stage and trying not to laugh oh. at some of the stuff that. No. <laughs> well, that's very sweet of you to say. <laughs> well, it's true. Wow. I mean, it's. Um, there's, I mean, it's a pretty tightly scripted show, but there's a lot of uh, improvised elements and dialogue that go on, and so there's a lot of curveballs yeah. that keep getting thrown all over the place. Yeah, at every everyone, and yeah, it's nuts doing that. And the uh, yeah, the Gary stuff is just it's like ridiculous, right? Like, I, I can't believe. I can't believe I'm like up there for that, but he's not here to talk about it. <laughs> so we'll let him do that on his own show. Yeah, I guess it's just pretty wild how, you know, from something that, you know, that happened eight, nine years ago and then just the, how the theme just kind of wound up, you know, 
hanging t- hanging tough all these years. <laughs> you know, uh, and then here it is. You know, now that we're a part of the live show, and yeah. And well, well, thank you for for doing a, this. It's, it's a blast. So you, your 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 pedigree, as people know, you're not just some contest entrant. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here. We have a brand new Office Hours that just came out of the oven. We've got legendary psych rocker Ty Siegel. And Doug is back from down under. G'day. G'day. And his mommy came with him. Mommy and Gary Lusenhop are here, too. Alicia let me know that she finished the White Album, has thoughts on that. So much more on this legendary episode of Office Hours. Find us on your podcast app of choice or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash office hours live. Who are the animals? Because I don't smell them. Though I have been one of those too. Sure. We all have been that. You're, you're, um, you were, uh, one of the, the, the founding dude. Would you say found? I don't know what it is for the icky boyfriends. Yeah, I'm I'm a Nicky boyfriend. Okay, I was the drummer for that band, which ran from like eighty nine, ninety to ninety five. Mm-hmm. I think was the was the the main period of of action. And then uh, our singer John Swift moved to Baltimore, and he uh, where he still lives to this day. But um, we got back together to play. It was some. Some smaller, some festivals, Budget Rock and Goner Fest, mm-hmm. some stuff like that. So that was probably back about four or five years ago. So we're we're sort of quasi on the, I don't know, on the, the comeback trail. Sure, you were never properly canceled. We no. weren't blown up in a helicopter. No, no. You didn't wave a script for the Hank Four and the other dude's faces and say, I'm out of here. So then out of that, you then, then what was next? Well, was see. Hank Ford next or is there something in there that I'm missing? It was a band called the Resonators that I did with uh, a guy named David Noodleman. It was a rock duo. A couple albums. Uh, there was a Silt Breeze album that came out, I think around 2000 or something like that. Um, called Don't Blank with the Fantasy. <laughs> It was it was done up like a match game, okay, like a match game puzzle. <laughs> this is all coming back to me now. I'm piecing these things. When you don't live in a certain area, you can't piece the things together as easily. It's just a record. You know what I, you know yeah. you know that feeling when you're just like, oh, I just have this record, and then somebody goes, oh yeah, you know who's on that? It's this guy was in this thing with that other guy, and then you're like. Oh my God, the whole thing makes sense now. Cause you just don't think of people living, they're like neighbors. Right? Yeah. Andy and I, Andy is the, the other guitarist from the Theme Weavers. He's the one who's playing the, uh, the tasty licks and solos on the, the theme, the theme song. Mm-hmm. I think he and I have probably played together in about five or six bands at this point, but okay. he, uh, he played in the Resonators for a, a brief stint, but, um, I played with him and his band called The Roofies. I don't know if you remember that band. I remember the name. Kind of like a trashy girl group, kind of like a 60s girl group. Mm -hmm. Um, Jibs Cameron, who's Dynasty Handbag, was the singer of that that band. And uh, let's see what else. 
Hank Four. Mm-hmm. Kind of maybe more mid two thousands. Yeah. Also on Silk Breeze. Yep. Put out a couple albums on Silk Breeze. And then now, what's filling the days now, Anthony? Aside from uh, having to learn an, an entirely new repertoire for this West Coast tour. Yes. Uh-huh. We, that's, uh, that, I think that's kept us pretty busy all summer. Yeah, that would do it. We've been learning custom custom content. Mm-hmm. Each city is getting some uh, some special special music. That's my friend is here. That's okay. You can. Oh. Oh my goodness! You just. I don't even know if I want to say what that was. You got animal control over here. No, that was just a gentle spraying of water. I hope it's just water in there. And I spraying vodka at your dog to get him to stop barking. That might work, though. Anthony, you know what else works? Watch how smooth this is. DraftKings.com works. If you were in the market to play fantasy sports... That's what you do, my friends. You know I I do uh, fantasy basketball, and it's hard. You do it every day, and it takes all year, and then you don't win, and then you just sat there. And you're like, what happened in six months of my life? But DraftKings.com, they offer one-week competitions. They have a one-week. F- they are the premier. They are America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. There's only a few games to go before the regular season. You could start this season by winning $2 million in week one. The biggest fantasy football contest ever. $10 million in prizes are up for grabs. $2 million for first place. $1 million for second. And this one-week fantasy stuff means you don't have to do it all season long like what I was just talking about. You just you play where you want, when you want, with the players you want. You pick the lineup, pick the players, pile up the points, and then you just say, hand me my cash. And it's that easy. You've never experienced football like this. Every game feels like the playoffs, even in week one. Every broken tackle and spectacular catch could take you closer to that $2 million prize. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time, guys. If you can't hang with the the dogs, you stay off the porch, is what I always say. And if you want to be in the running for two million bucks, then you go to DraftKings.com, use promo code BEST to play free for a shot at two million dollars in the week one millionaire maker. That's enter BEST for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. You're coming off your own triumphant season here with your Golden State Warriors. Was that like when they won with everybody going crazy, throwing stuff at each other? Pandemonium in the streets. Was it? Was Fireworks it? Oh, galore. Right. It was. Yeah. It was fun to watch. That dude, Steve Kerr, when he was, the Knicks were just like, "Hey, maybe you coach this team. We have no players," and. uh but then he's like, yeah, I think I'll go coach this team with uh, all the players. And uh, then he wins a championship a year later. 
He seems like it wouldn't be fun. He seems like a a load, though, doesn't he, a little bit? Imagine if you were waiting on him at a restaurant. He seems like he might be very demanding. Right? Like, yeah, I asked for, uh, you know, this drink has too much lime in it, or whatever he would complain about. He'd find things to complain about. Be like, oh, I didn't hear about the ketchup shortage. Be like, what? Be like, yeah, because... You didn't bring any to the table, right? He'd say things like that, hurtful. So you don't want to speak ill of your coach. I get it. I get it. You're a company uh... man. You're a company man. You don't want to get walked to the edge of town by guys in in Clay Thompson jerseys. They'll walk you walk you right to the city limits. Running down the list in my head of NBA coaches, most likely to complain about the the ketchup situation. Rudy Tomjanovich seems like he'd complain more than anybody about the amount of ketchup available at a table. He seems he would eat at a lot of places that are like have like picnic benches indoors, you know that kind of place where they're just like like it's like yeah our our decor is picnic benches inside. Yeah. Who uh who else what are the other restaurants that have the picnic tables inside? Like, uh, like, a, like a Dairy Queen will do that on occasion. Is that a restaurant, though? For some, it is. <laughs> I'm actually am one of that some. I would actually. That's actually a little out of my uh, above my station, because they bring you the food still. Usually, well, I eat at places where either they hand you your food through a window, or. You go up and get it yourself on your own plate and then bring it back to your table. Generally, the places I eat, they don't make it somewhere else and bring it to you, not through a window. Like, I have to get up at some point at the places I eat. White paper napkin, not white linen. Napkin dispenser on the table, if you're lucky. Not a station with napkins and utensils at it for me fancy is the thing that you get to press the lever and a clean fork a clean plastic fork comes out at least you know everybody didn't touch it but you don't roll like that here in san francisco they keep the in and out burgers outside of the city limits oh i guess there's one down at uh fisherman's wharf i see how you guys eat down at fisherman's wharf shrimp Crabs. You got it all down there. Sourdough bread bowl. Sourdough bread bowl with either clam chatter in it. Do they offer a half and half? Has anybody ever said, I'll get half uh, New England, half Manhattan? That'd be pretty disgusting, wouldn't it? Oh, I thought for a minute you were maybe talking about like half sourdough, half whole wheat bowl. Like the actual bread. That would be pretty awful. bowl was 50 50. Yeah. Yeah. Like a split loyalty cap. The, the, you know how like the, uh, I mean, really it's one of the, the worst things in, in the history of various sports is the, uh, the Oakland A's SF Giants hat. The split hat. Yeah. For the people who can't. Terrible. Yeah. yeah or yeah, just, just get two different hats. It's okay. You're better off just wearing two different hats with two different teams on them. Just one on top of the other. It's fine. Because the only other people who would be in agreement with you are other people wearing the same hat. 
of which there's no one doing that. Yeah, plus, I mean, I, I, it's, I can't even imagine that there was much of a market for the split loyalty caps. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's no love lost between Oakland and San Francisco or the East Bay and San Francisco. So it's, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of people with diehard loyalty to both. Well, why don't you take that bread bowl idea over? Isn't it that place that makes the bread right there down at Fisherman's Wharf? The bakery. Oh, the Bodine. The Bodine. Why don't you walk that in there? Right to the, not to the counter, to the, in the office. You say, I need to meet with someone in the, in the, in an office about this. Tell my million dollar idea to the assistant manager. Yeah. You have a giant, giant sketch and you have a pointer, maybe a laser pointer and you just show them how it would work. And then you can pitch as a sub pitch. Half New England clam chowder, half Manhattan clam chowder in the same bread bowl. Or maybe you come up with a little bread, little bread divider just in there. Just be a, pl- a straight up plastic divider. Just crackers. That could be just crackers, right? Yeah, make that out of crackers. And the dam starts melting. The longer you, you t- it's up to you to eat as quickly as possible. <laughs> yes. You, uh, yeah, hurry or the red and the white will turn into, what color does that turn into? Red and white. I'm bad with that. Pink? Is it pink? It turns into pink. We have other people here. Let's introduce the other people. How should we do this? Do you want to pass the mic around? Sure. Does that work? To your right, we have uh, Jack Bolwares here. How are you? Thank you for doing this. Thank you. So, How would people know you, Jack? What's your, what's the one-liner that you throw out when you get introduced at a party? <laughs> uh, how did you get in here? Is that what? <laughs> that's one of them. I was serious. No, seriously. I was invited to this. <laughs> that's... I was the editor of a, right on cue. I was the editor of a magazine, uh, in the nineties called The Nose. Okay. Like a satire magazine. Mm-hmm. It was sort of okay. like a spy magazine, except none of us went to good schools. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't Harvard and, uh, NYU. Uh, people. no, not, not exactly. No. Yeah. Those Harvard guys, right? It gets to you sometimes, doesn't it? Right? Well, a little it's, bit. It's, uh, it's okay. It gets to me. <laughs> I'm friends with about eight of them. I am too, but it's, uh, every time I see somebody wearing a Harvard shirt, I, I want to walk up to them and say, you know, so where'd you go to school again? Yeah. Just to see their face. Yeah. Cause it's like most of us aren't still talking about college at this point. It's like 45 years <laughs> yeah, old. Exactly. It's time to stop talking about, right? It's just like, it's like all your teachers are dead. Just let it go. <laughs> All your teachers are dead. That's the <laughs> that. Yeah, it's just like, you, would you talk about high school that much? And it's like, no. Then you clearly have a problem. It's like, yeah, well, that happened two years before the stuff you're you're still reminiscing about. It must be quite an experience if people keep wearing the shirts and talking about it. I know, right? You know, Man, decades I'll... after. But that Harvard Lampoon stuff, 
that's not funny, right? It, whatever came out of that. It, all those people went on to do things. But yeah. the actual Harvard Lampoon, that was funny when I, I was funnier than I was 20 than that stuff there do like Twilight parodies and stuff like that. Yeah. That's not good. It's, uh, I mean, it started, you know, it funneled into the National Lampoon and Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. but, uh, a lot of them now just go straight to the Simpsons. Yeah. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of Harvard Lampoon folks, you know, who got a really expensive education, you know, creating television mm-hmm. for America. I think, I think it's pretty amazing. It is pretty ama- amazing that it's this pipeline. Now there are two pipelines. There's the Operate Citizen Brigade pipeline channels people into jobs too. Look, some of these Harvard people, are super funniest people I ever met. I'll just say this. You, you Harvard people, you're only f- truly funny when you have non-Harvard people there to balance you out a little bit. Just to strike a balance, and maybe we're all a little smarter because we're hanging out with Harvard people. Is that is that a fair thing to say? Like maybe I have to act a, not as dumb as I my default setting might be, push myself a little bit. I always feel I have to speak in complete sentences mm-hmm. if I'm around people, you know who. There's there's the Ivy League sort of I don't know it's a finishing school I don't know I feel like just a dumb redneck sometimes when I'm, yeah I'm around that many people so it's just an inferiority complex that we will carry forever on forever. some level even if it's not active it's still just it's there passively in our heads looming okay <laughs> so the nose and how long did that run for? Like uh, the Icky Boyfriends, 1989 to 1995. Okay. And then uh, I wrote some books after that and uh, tried to uh, chisel the freelance articles <laughs> as much as I could to uh, write about weird things around mm-hmm. the world. Did some travel writing. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, the Meisner one was I, I Randy was a, Meisner from Randy the Meisner Eagles. Randy Meisner from the Eagles. Uh, I was a writer here in San Francisco for the weekly paper, SF Weekly, and you're always looking for something to write about. And I just couldn't stand City Hall or you know the, the usual beats. So I saw like a three sentence article in a newspaper: um, "Man Arrested for Impersonating Randy Meisner." <laughs> and I was like, can I do this as a cover story? Mm-hmm. And they're like, go for it. So I went to the police and I got all of their police reports uh, about Randy Meisner. And it this guy had been pretending to be Randy Meisner for 10 years. And they could never catch him. Uh-huh. All over the Western U.S., he'd meet a girl on a plane. Yeah, I'm Randy Meisner. I'm just flying to New York to do the Letterman show. <laughs> yeah. You know, these yeah. sorts of things. Oh. Uh, the Eagles are playing a Hell Freezes Over tour, and I'm uh, I'm going to L.A. We've got a gig with – he would just drop names uh-huh. <laughs> relentlessly. And he would scam uh, people, casinos out of uh, – you know, free chips and hotel rooms. He scammed guitar manufacturers. They would wow. make him a special guitar, you know, <laughs> and he would, 
he would call up the the, the manufacturer. Yeah, I want a, uh, the RM model so and so. I want mm-hmm. a special serial number because I'm Randy Meisner. <laughs> and they would ship it to a hotel in San Francisco, and they'd just never hear to from a them hotel. again. Hotel. Yeah. So where are you at, Randy? Where's your office? Well, I'm at this hotel. <laughs> actually, if you could send it to the hotel, I mean. I'm not going to be yeah. back in the office for a while, but right. send it to the hotel. That's right. So, and so he was doing this for years. Years. He he apparently tried to impersonate Don Henley in Las Vegas, uh-huh. and he got caught pretty quickly. And then he shifted over to Randy Meisner, yeah. and it's kind of the right shift to make. It's exactly <laughs> the right person. He's he's not wrong. And a lot of these people would. He would say, yeah, he had guitar picks printed with Randy Meisner's name. He had business cards. And people would pull out old Eagles albums and look like, I don't know, it could be him. Because mm-hmm. they they had zero distinguishing characteristics among them. Yeah, and it's also like... They all look the same. Hairy guys. Hairy guys dressed like cowboys. Yes. So, please, he's not yeah. wearing a cowboy hat here, obviously. <laughs> and it's... 15 years after that album came out or 20 years, whenever what 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 year what years were was this going on this was probably late 80s through the late 90s okay so he's got a good 10 year plus gap on the album cover yes so and everybody looked young and hairy yeah. mm-hmm. and uh there was one guitar company they told me yeah this guy called said it was Randy Meisner and they looked at each other like, really? Did he rejoin the Eagles? And then he said, mm-hmm. well, you know, you get people all the time calling up for free guitar cases. You mm-hmm. never know. They always say they're the second guitarist for Rare Earth. <laughs> and they're on a reunion tour. <laughs> and you never know. It could be anybody. Uh, but he, he was caught. He was trying to pawn a guitar that he had uh, made for mm-hmm. him at... Uh, pawn shop in san francisco and a roadie went in just a i don't know what bands he worked for saw the guitar thought oh that's great buys it and looks inside and sees this special serial number calls the guitar manufacturer and they're incensed right (laughs) (laughs) what is going on and this randy ersatz meisner Mm -hmm. signs his real name at the pawn shop okay and then they find him living up in the North Bay with a bunch of losers in a house. <laughs> and so I interviewed him in jail, and he was not happy. Not happy. I mean, he had – there were women who had written the police letters everywhere. Randy Meisner, throughout these years, he would – apparently he had a solo career. I okay. think he did have a couple of records, uh, mm-hmm. but he would perform, and then there'd be a woman, you know, like knocking at the door. Mm-hmm. Don't you remember me? It was in <laughs> Des Moines, or you know, mm-hmm. Vegas or Reno, and he would say, "How much did he take you for?" Yeah. Oh, so it was pretty amazing uh, tale. Yeah. So the Meisner, the Ersatz Meisner. So he was is that he was in jail for what? He was waiting, uh, like, a, I guess they were going to sentence him. Okay. And, you know, it was San Francisco County Jail, so there's just guys yelling all around us. Mm-hmm. It's all orange jumpsuits. And uh, he was like, so you're writing a story about me, huh? 
<laughs> he was, he's kind of a jerk, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't. I'm trying to imagine him like seducing women by saying he's Randy Miser, and he's like, "Oh, what are you going to call it? The pro and the con." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Man, this guy. I hope they put him away." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A. I hope they put him away, and B. That's actually not a bad title for this article. <laughs> the pro. So. When he's in going into prison that first time, all these guys are like, "Yeah, I'm in. I shot a guy and thing." And he's like, "Yeah, I, uh, you guys know the Eagles, right?" <laughs> yeah, I suppose that would be his yeah. like cafeteria conversation. <laughs> yeah. He has to explain. It's like, "Ever take it to the limit?" Because <laughs> did Randy Meisner sing that high lo- pie, right? Was he the high voice on "Take It to the Limit" or is that um, Bernie Ledden? He that was his like I think signature number, okay. like the one moment. That anybody okay. knew who he was mm-hmm. in the Eagles, he would sing that song. What if the Eagles just to cut corners? They just hire the fake Randy Meisner, right? Doesn't that seem like a better like? Do those Eagles fans care? As long as, as long as like Don Henley and Glenn Fry and Joe Walsh are there, they could be like, yeah, we got this Randy Meisner impersonator here, yeah. and they don't care. It's just a machine at this point. Yeah. <laughs> just a high pitched vocal machine. It's astonishing that those guys, uh, people think of that band as being so warm and lovable with these beautiful love songs that, you know, 70s women swayed to. And then you watch that documentary and they're massive dicks. Yeah, yeah. No, they're massive. They're the worst. They're, they're just, they were just good looking guys who, were in who started winning when they were in high school and never stopped winning their entire lives and they think that they earned all of those wins they just uh, somehow they just got struck by this one like like the hand of god touched these two guys and they think that they're just that they're just oh they're so bland and then when they would think of themselves as like outlaws, you'd be like, what are you guys outlaws from? You just, the only stealing they were doing were from like, like, would have been from like Graham Parsons and stuff. Like that's the only crimes they're committing. It's just like stealing other people's acts and, and diluting them for the marketplace. And you put a bird skull on your album cover. Yeah. And it's, you know. Is that a bird? Or some kind is that a bird? Of animal. I don't. What is that? That's like a, is that a cow or a bird? You know those things that hang in bars, right? I don't know what that is. I look, I don't know either. I thought I'd be scared if a bird that size came flying at me if that's the head on that thing. I feel like that might be a pterodactyl. But it was, it was a prehistoric <laughs> bird skull yes. when you think about it. Well, then I might actually start listening to Eagles albums. Because that's weird. They actually might, there might be something there for me. I When I was working on that story, I bought all of the Eagles albums for mm-hmm. like 99 cents at Amoeba or whatever. <laughs> just to sort of look at all of them. And, you know, I hadn't even thought of the Eagles in so many years. And I put on one song at the office of the newspaper, Take It to the Limit. Mm-hmm. And you hear like two chords and five people turn around and say, can you turn that off? Yeah. Like it was we, instantaneous. We hear that. We don't have a choice in hearing that. You're now 
choosing to play it for us. Like the Eagles is just that music that, yeah, like you don't ever need to go toward it. It will, it will find it you at you. some point. Yeah. So what's the Anton LaVey story, Jack? Oh, so I was doing the nose magazine at this time, maybe early nineties. Mm-hmm. And I had written a newspaper column that there was some book out about him and I, Got the book. It was published by Feral House, who did a lot of weird, no, interesting books. No, they never would have known. Yeah. yeah. And they... <laughs> Wait, Feral House published the book about Anton LaVey? I, thought... this, I think this is <laughs> the first. But I read it, and I and I saw, wow, he was a, like a socialite in San Francisco in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like, people, you know, they he, he was like this carny piano player who created this church... With people sitting around having cocktails, looking at a nude woman on an altar, and uh, and people, so many people believed it, and he was still alive. I thought he was dead, so I uh, I wrote something about him, and then I get this phone call from the director of the Church of Satan, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was his assistant, and she goes, "The doctor would like to meet you." I don't like. Okay, mm-hmm. so we went out to uh, to dinner, and I was thinking already, maybe this is a bigger thing, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I could talk to him more, or meet him at least, and so he he drinks the white Zinfandel with a handful of ice cubes in it. Okay. And, you know, bloody red steak. So we have dinner, and we talk for a while, and then he looks at his girlfriend and says, why don't we go back to the house? Get out the keyboards. <laughs> and then... So we went to his black <laughs> Victorian, you know, headquarters of the Church of Satan with a chain-link fence in front of it. And we go into his kitchen, and there's like a, this demon murals all over the place. And he's got like five keyboards set up. And he plays like circus music and crazy like 1940s <laughs> vaudeville kind of tunes yeah. and and he was you know nothing scary about him to me uh-huh but kind of intelligent in this autodidactic kind of self-taught way but so i went back to the nose magazine and i said we should do something with this guy so we we asked him if he would like to be in a fashion shoot <laughs> <laughs> And he uh-huh. he was delighted uh-huh. for the attention. I don't think anybody paid attention to him in years. Uh-huh. And we went to Macy's, got a bunch of clothes, <laughs> got a got a couple models. We got a photographer from Rolling Stone, Jay Blakesburg, to shoot it. And it was we done in his house. Oh, he was so weird. It was. Uh, yeah, he had a, a safari outfit with a pith helmet. <laughs> Apparently, it was his own. He had claimed to have uh-huh. been a lion tamer in the Barnum mm-hmm. and Bailey Circus, and and uh, the fashion, you know, the fashion uh, uh, person, uh, Becky Wilson, oh, Becky Wilson, set that up. She, she held up a pair of safari cargo shorts mm-hmm. to accentuate the safari outfit, yeah. uh-huh. and the Church of Satan just shakes his head like. <laughs> No, I'm not going to wear shorts. So that's the line. <laughs> Cargo shorts. <laughs> that, 
is so, oh my God, that's so funny. I remember that single he put out on, that, uh, Turkington. Greg Turkington put out yeah. that. It was like, cause he's just singing songs like, Honolulu, baby, and all these like, it's like, oh, this is just an old guy singing, yeah. <laughs> singing yeah. old that's, that's standards. That's exactly it. And the photo that, from one of from the fashion shoot Turkington used for the, okay. uh, the uh, album artwork for him, that. At, him at the keyboard yeah him at yeah. the keyboard with his like a uh, ratty looking blazer on mm-hmm. so we we published that and it was you know people freaked out like in certain areas of the country because you don't have Satan on the cover holding a twin bladed Korean fighting knife <laughs> <laughs> from his personal collection uh-huh. and and then we would get these phone calls. Yes, I would like 16 copies of issue 19. <laughs> and they were always very polite, uh-huh. very low, even like I am a highly evolved intelligent Satanist. Mm-hmm. And I would really appreciate 19 copies for my collection. Wow. That's <laughs> pretty oh amazing. God. That's great. <laughs> so, so what is, uh, what is, uh, going on now, Jack? What, what, uh, what, what keeps you, uh, what oh. keeps you busy? Well, I was working on this book project with uh the guitarist for the Stooges, but we uh we couldn't get a big enough book deal for him, so that's that's not happening. But I uh I run this literary festival in San Francisco. With, with James Williams. James Williams. Yeah. Uh you know, it it was a great tale. I wish we uh we could have gotten a, a good deal for it. But um so I I run a literary festival here in San Francisco. And that's been going, uh, 16 years. Danny has, uh, shot video for it. Anthony's been in it. A lot of people have been in it over the years. Um, Marin, Mark Marin was in it a couple of years ago. Um, I'm doing an interview with Greg Proops, uh, in a couple of months mm-hmm. for the festival. Um, Chris oh, Chris, I interviewed Chris Elliott. That's right. Okay. Yeah, um, Chris is a, a lot of funny people and, guy. uh, you know, Brainy writers, uh, writers, you know, like Bucky Sinister, uh, from that sort of like, uh, coming at it from that angle. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. It's pretty irreverent. It, uh, and what is it, what is it called? The festival? It's called, uh, Lit Quake. Okay. And we, um, we do things. I think we did a, actually a, a, an event in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Way Behind the Music show. That's right. Where we read from crappy music memoirs. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. What do you think is the all-time rock bio, your all-time favorite rock bio that nobody knows about? Oh, that nobody knows about? Yeah, like about? one that like you wish was in print. Oh, well, there are two different bios by mothers of the Backstreet Boys okay. that we read in that uh-huh. show, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and they're way out of print, mm-hmm. and they're creepy mm-hmm. because these women you know, are sort of... Suddenly, they've been blessed with this shiny child that is now a teen heartthrob, mm-hmm. and they're they run the fan clubs and they sweep teddy bears off the stage afterwards because teenage girls throw teddy bears. Uh, and this is twenty years ago, but they cashed in by writing a book, yeah, about what it's like to be the mom of a Backstreet Boy, and the way they describe their sons is so disturbing. It's so, you know, how his creamy white skin and how his hair blows in the wind. And it is just, you want to like call the police on her, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. It's, <laughs> so those are, so if anybody's looking 
if they're combing the bookstores, the two books by the moms of the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, I wow. think, some of the most disturbing ones. The Sammy Hagar book is always uh, yeah, good the, for a laugh. I that's like a, the Sammy Hagar book. That's a good one. He's, it's weird in that book because he clearly wanted it. He wanted to talk much more about numerology and stuff. And it stops very early in it. It's clear that someone cut the rest of him talking about that stuff out. But he, he needed to have some of it in. So there's like, but what about when I said, went to the fortune teller and she predicted everything? Like, okay, that can stay in. Yeah, that could have been a whole book about his UFO oh theories and yeah. Yeah. That and I do like the way there's one thing in it that I found vaguely not, not inspirational, but at least it helped me think about how you can make money in the world when he was like, He's like, yeah, I just, when I would come through, I'd put on the rider a good bottle of wine, and then I just wouldn't open it. And I was playing like 200-something shows a year. So after like five years, I ended up with like a full wine cellar of actual good wine that these venues all paid for. It's just like, yeah, sometimes you got to grind it out like that if you want money. You got to take it one one bottle of wine at a time. You don't just go buy a wine cellar. You get somebody else to finance your wine cellar over a five-year period. He is an odd guy. I had uh, the occasion to write a story, an interview with him right after his tequila company came out. Yeah, Cabo Wabo. Cabo Wabo. I I was never a fan, you know, but I thought... So you don't like like the good stuff, (laughs) either musically or (laughs) tequila-wise. Part of me thought... This will be funny mm-hmm. just because you know, he invited me up to his house on top of Mount Tamalpais with all these, the kind of sports cars that you never see, okay. you know, parked there. And you know, there's Sammy's little playroom with all of his amps and a gong. <laughs> he had a gong mm-hmm. in his practice room. And just the things he said, I asked him, why, why the color red? Mm-hmm. You know, and his quotes were like, like, I don't know. It's just killer. It's killer color. You know, I don't know. Green, green is mean and red means go or something like that. And I, and I was like, oh, this is going to be so great in print. So the article comes out and his manager is incensed. They call the newspaper and they're screaming at them because I, I interviewed his manager. I was a longtime manager and he goes, I don't know. Nobody ever. You know, he was never really a headliner, mm-hmm. except St. Louis. <laughs> and I went, w- w- why St. Louis? And he goes, I don't know. We could never figure it out. <laughs> but, the, the you know, he was a longtime Bay Area guy. So mm-hmm. I asked some of my friends who grew up in Sacramento, and they're like, yeah, people would put on Hager at a party, but they're usually the people standing around the keg. <laughs> The Hagar fans. Yeah, the Hagar fans. Well, it would always be like those polls. The Bay Area polls would just be like, best guitarist, Sammy Hagar. Or like that band Hassas, Hagar, Sean, Aronson, Shreve, that super group. Do you know about that? No. Missed that. Do you know about that? It's not chicken. (laughs) It's no chicken. It it, it, it was a proto-chicken foot. 
it made it safe. Well, um, let's talk to let's talk to Danny because I know we're running we're getting tight tight ish time. Are you good? You good? All right, because we're not going to do a full three hour show. Best show. We're th- I'm just trying to stay there every week for you guys. Do it wherever I am. We'll do. We'll figure out a show. It's not the conventional best show, but uh, it's a. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate all of you guys helping make this happen. We have a our host who was kind enough to lend us his uh, home for this. You might know him from uh, Motor Booty, I guess. Right? Is that you are a founding father of it i was a founding father indeed yeah it's danny plotnik thank you for letting us do this hey thanks for having me on and i'm gonna say hagar didn't usually win those awards it was always joe satry joe satry would win best guitarist i'm sammy hagar would probably win best someone you never knew of if you didn't come to the bay area because being in new jersey i would read these like bay area polls and be like like y and t right yeah, you're he's like the the band Y and T would win all these things. Like, what did that stand for? Yesterday and today, initially. I always assumed it was people's names. I think it's the... Ingve and Tomlinson. Because who was in Y and T? You don't know. I don't know. Oh, you said Ingve. I was like, wait, Ingve Malmsteen wasn't from here. He's he's named Ingve Malmsteen. It's who clearly would have. That's Oh, you thought you'd order a YNT? <laughs> Go into a place. Go into the stone, order a YNT. Why? Listen to some YNT. The, the other, the other person who routinely swept those awards um, was, of course, Primus. Yeah. Anything Primus related so would be best bass, best bassist, Les Claypool. Right? Best new group. Best new group. Three years running. Best album cover. Best album cover, Pork Soda. Right? Yeah. It's like you lived here. It is like I lived here. I Look, you you can dream. I would just look at my issue of, what was that? What would have been the magazine? It would have been... Those, bam. Bam, yeah. Yeah. It's weird that I, in New Jersey, like, I knew about what the results of those polls were like as a kid we heard about that yeah but that was pre that was pre primus that point that's when it was it would be either journey or so that's a foot that's a two-man race between satriani and sean for best guitarist (laughs) you know neil sean was just like who's this satriani kid muscling in on my turf Cause you'd have, that would be like, there must have been years where Journey did a clean sweep, right? Ross Valerie. Yeah. Beth Sachs would always go to the big man. Clarence. Clarence. Clem, yeah. Which never made any sense to me since he was in the E Street band. Yeah, no, he, he made his, his fortunes on the other side of the country and it was pretty. But he took home the awards here. So he brought him here. So you guys would meet him at the airport. He'd, <laughs> We all, Jack, <laughs> Anthony, and I, yeah, and greet Clarence Clemens when he got off the plane and hand him the award at the bottom of the yeah. the, the tarmac. <laughs> so, Danny, m- motor booty. Yes. 
so that means your motor booty, you must have been. I'm originally from Detroit. Detroit, I would went, think. Went to school in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And motor booty was you and. Mark Dancy and I started it. Mm-hmm. And Mark did all the graphic work, all the comics. I mean, he was a brilliant graphic artist and he did all the layout, making it look good. Mm-hmm. And you held down all the, the writing and... Well, the two of us, I mean, at the start, the two of us did the bulk of the writing. I took on the business end. And then we also had some people we were working with. Mike Rubin was someone who was in sort of at the ground floor and he mm-hmm. would contribute. And then, you know, probably after the first issue, we started getting more and more writers mm-hmm. involved. It's really amazing because it's just like, it was one of the few... Like it was like I guess you you have to call it a fanzine because of the pu- only because we of the size did. of the publishing. I mean, like people would refer to it as that and only ne- because and of the we run. Are, and we never did. Yeah, I mean, you were making a magazine, not a f- yeah fanzine. I mean, and to be fair, we were inspired by fanzines. I mean, mm-hmm. that's sort of what we read. But early on, our attitude was even though we love fanzines, that you're just a second-class citizen. And we felt we wanted to make something that was as good as Spy, as good as Time, that you could put up on the rack, Mm -hmm. and it would be as good, if not better, than the majority of magazines. So, And that, that, as somebody who just was just knows you just as a fan of the magazine, it came through that way as, like, this is, oh, like, these guys are working uh, like working toward a higher standard here across the board with it because it felt like an event when an issue would come out well that may have had to do with the fact that we would take several years between issues but 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 they also but you knew that you'd be able to there's some there's something here it's going to look as good as it as good as it is to read it and but just that that part because fanzines that was definitely not the priority with fanzines was just like and that's look i love fanzines plenty i did fanzines it's just like the but the idea is to get the thing out and in front of people and to get your opinions out there which is what i think the aesthetics fell you know and because they're because it's not cheap to do what you guys were doing yeah like what were the runs on motor booty at the at the at like its peak, I think by the end it was around ten thousand. Okay, that's all. It's a that's amazing that it's it's like still like a manageable amount, but that it it everybody. I I would bet that you could if you could track how many people read each copy of them. It's not like ten thousand people translated to ten thousand readers. It's like. Yeah, there there was a number for that. Like you assume that four people read every mm-hmm. issue sold or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that's one of the that has to be one of the highest of that because everybody knew about it and it was way more than ten thousand copies could cover everybody's knowledge of the magazine. Yeah, yeah. So so the magazine ran from. When we started it in 87 and then I kind of parted ways in 96 or 97, something like that. And I think it, there was a calendar that came out 99 or 2000. Does anyone remember something, something like that in there, in there. And, and, uh, the whole, then it just kind of, that was kind of the end of, cause it, they always, it always ends with a whimper. whimper. You know, (laughs) I, I, 
right? I I had a parting of ways, so I don't the end days. I don't okay. Don't ask me about the. Well, end you days. were just on your own, but everything yeah. does. Yeah. Everything, nothing blows up in a. It's not like. We're ending motor booty and here's the, we're going to set this building on fire well, to mark the end Detroit, of it. We could have. Oh, well, you could have. Okay. I think that there was one thing about motor booty that, that definitely lived on for many years, uh, even after the magazine stopped publishing and it was all the result of an, of a fake ad, a very infamous fake ad they ran in the back of the magazine for the Stooges Wax Museum. Yes. And uh-huh. people apparently, Mostly Europeans, I believe, were were showing up in, in harbor and basically like stopping people on the street and asking for directions to the Stooges Wax Museum. Uh huh. Uh-huh. There was a good T-shirt run of that as well. That, yeah, it was really an important magazine to me. It was very influential to just take pride in the. Just to the appearance of the thing. Well, and, and when we started, I mean, the the thing that, I mean, most people wouldn't know is that Mark and I met when we were both going to the University of Michigan, and we had met on the staff of the College Humor magazine, speaking of the National Lampoon, and we were editors of that for a couple years, which basically meant prior to Motor Booty, we had spent two years really learning how to make a real magazine and we also were getting maybe i can't remember now but a thousand to two thousand dollars an issue that someone else was paying for and even you know i mean back then in a pre-computer zone when you were laying your magazine out on what uh, 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 post boards with v-loxes and all that stuff there was a whole print shop upstairs with these old you know uh print dudes who mm-hmm. so mark was really able to go pick their brains about how to really lay this stuff out and he was graphically inclined anyway but i remember when we did the first issue of the magazine and we were trying to get ads from you know touch and go and all all the likely suspects mm-hmm. and we would quote them on our ad rates they were like wow that's a lot of money you're asking for and then they would say well who's going to be on the cover and we would say nobody we're not putting a band on the cover. And they're like, what? Yeah, yeah. it's going to be yeah. a drawing. By who? Nobody ever heard yeah. of. And, and I remember the first issue, that was a very hard sell. I think mm-hmm. we sold a couple ads. And then when the first issue came out, all the labels were like, whoa, that's amazing. You know, and, yeah. and no one expected that from a first issue of anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That really, to, to just... It's like you plant your flag with stuff like that. Yeah. And, I mean, Anthony, you know how influential that must have been in terms of the, like, the, you saw the nightmare, living nightmare that became the, the WFMU, uh, marathon premiums that I would do every year just for fundraising stuff. Yeah. We, Hank Four, we, we did, we took part in a few of those premiums. Those were, those were pretty drawn out affairs. I mean, the, the, but I think, People just loved how good the final product was, or everybody was kind of willing to wait. Mm-hmm. But, but it's that goal. It's just like you want. Do you want something special or not? And then it's like, well, no, let's make something special here. And you know, so next thing you know, um, what did we do on some of those things? There was a DVD where everybody it was all filmed from all over the place. Like, that was so unmanageable. That DVD. That yeah. was the. 
There was a Besho magazine, which I, was I contributed super a, a, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Please. I contributed a video to that Besho DVD, mm-hmm. and it was sort of uh, a, a loving tribute. <laughs> making fun of people who called up the show. It yeah. was, uh, and, uh, but it's funny because the guy who's now playing bass in the theme weavers, Ajax, mm-hmm. Ajax Green, uh, one of the segments in, in the video, remember, like, I, it does again, it was several years ago, but there used to be this kind of subset of callers to the best show who would routinely put their small children on the air. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like a whole thing of, you know, trying to put their, three or four or five year old on the air and uh <laughs> yeah and ajax was one of those people he, he did he, that he put his son angus on the air okay uh, i'm not sure how old he was at the time i don't know five or six or, or something like that but so yeah i in in the video i put comedian sean keen in the role of ajax <laughs> and then uh and then got the my boss i uh I work at a rock club bar here in town called the Hemlock Tavern, and I got my boss's daughter, who was acting in some Monty Python. You know, she I think she was she was you know in the local arts middle school, and okay. so I snagged her <laughs> for the role of the of the kid who's being put up by the <laughs> the increasingly desperate dad, you know, uh-huh. who's trying to bully his way onto the oh best God. show via his his young daughter. That is so funny, but that was the trap. That suddenly, suddenly the web spreads and suddenly you're here trying to make a video for a thing and I'm, and there's all these other people doing the same thing and I'm doing all these things and it's just like, and it all leads back to this thing of just like, yeah, it's like motor booty mate put that defect in my brain to have to try to outdo the previous thing like that. Yeah, I, well, I know Danny because uh, of the Icky Boyfriends, the singer of the Ickies, John, and Danny worked together in the late 80s at a place called Video Monitoring Services, and that was a company that corporations would hire to watch local newscasts, and like say Chevron would hire VMS and say, we want um, a synopsis or a written summary of any time Chevron gets mentioned on the news in Modesto, California. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. So and, and so basically, we had like a rack of VCRs, and we would record uh, uh, all the San Francisco news. And then we had people who, in their houses, would record Sacramento, San Jose, and Fresno, so the entire Bay Area. And then there were wow. cor- then there were offices all around the country. And yeah, so Chevron was our big cl- client. So. We had a whole team of transcribers who would sit there with headphones, VCR with VCRs with foot pedals, and synopsize every every news, every piece on the news. And you know, you'd pay attention to keywords like Chevron or Pacific Lumber. And then we had a sales team who would call those people up. Hi, you know, you were mentioned on a uh, you know KGO TV, and we did radio as well. And 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 then. Sometimes they just wanted the synopsis. Sometimes they would actually want the video clip. And so I was one of the guys sending video clips. And John Swift, who was in the Ickies, he was a transcriber. Wow. And um, and the thing that drew me to John 
is he definitely had a snarly attitude, yet it was clear he was also the smartest per- transcriber in the room. And spelling was crucial because how you entered these things into uh, – was there a computer? I don't remember. But so anytime somebody be like, how do you spell uh, – how do you spell George Duke Majan? And John, very irritated, uh, don't you people know anything? It's D-E-U-K-N-A-J-I-A-N. I'm like, oh, man, who's that guy? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, but he was great. So John and I became friends. He gave me one of the original Icky's demo cassettes. I gave him VHS copies of my films at the time, and mm-hmm. that friendship was struck up. And uh, what would what would be the the like the suicide rate at a job like that? What was it like? Well, 80, well, eighty percent. Well, it's funny you should ask. Uh, oh. We did have a former prison guard who was the boss in uh-huh. town, but after the um, earthquake here, our building got red tagged, and then it was it was sort of a stressful time. And at some point, we were opening up the new office, and one guy hadn't returned, and people were getting a little worried about him, and. He freaked out. He thought he had been hearing radio signals in his brains, one of these things, and then he decided to walk to Los Angeles. And it, at some point, we got a call from him from L.A. I just walked. Oh, my God. Ooh. So, no suicides, <laughs> but there was that. Good, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you were doing Motor Booter, were you guys, like, super competitive with everybody? Did you feel like it's us versus every other person <laughs> daring to publish? I mean, we, and it's good. I don't, yeah, I'm not saying that in a negative way, because that's yeah, how I feel every yeah, I mean, hour I, of every day. Th- yeah, definitely to a certain extent. And I'm sure we had a bit of an attitude, because I think part of our thing, too, was, and this was a, a conscious choice, I think from the first issue, but became even more clear is 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 into our run is that we didn't want to just do articles about music i think one of our we had a couple critiques of fanzines when we started one is we hated newsprint mm-hmm. it like it was hard to read and it got all over you so we we're like we are not going to do newsprint but the other was at some level it was it was all just every fanzine had reviews of the same albums of the same shows. Mm-hmm. And you might have liked, you know, one zine better, the writing better, but it was ultimately kind of all the same. And it was all stuff we liked, and so we read them, but we said, we don't want to do that. We don't want to just be show reviews and record reviews and not even interviews. And so early on, we had, you know, the comics. And, you know, eventually we got, you know, Peter Bag and people like that, Mary Fleener contributing. So it's not just going to be about music. We brought in stuff about film, about writers, but we were also really influenced by Spy Magazine. We liked Spy Magazine, and we decided we wanted to wanted to do something like that, where if Spy was sort of doing, you know, kind of snarky cultural critique, we were going to do snarky music critiques of things sure. like when good bands start to suck. And if you even look at a lot of our, you know, charts and graphs and stuff, it's very sort of Spy influenced. Mm-hmm. That is so funny. That's exactly what we did with the Nose magazine. We would look at early issues of Spy and and go, oh, okay, they're picking on Donald Trump or they're picking on whoever, and we would we would just find you know people in the Bay Area or the Western U.S. to do the same sort of thing. Uh, 
but people would email us or, or they didn't have email back then. My God, you'd have to write it, open an envelope. It's so painful to think about. And people, you know, would say, I'm a recent graduate of Yale. Can I write for your magazine? And I would, well, I would often just throw it in the trash in front of everybody. I'd read it out loud because the guy was from Yale. You know, I'm sorry, Yaleys who are listening, but we would tell people. I know we're on a mission today. Yeah, look no, out. Uh, look, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, we would say we we don't look out, really Princeton. <laughs> Get ready, you're coming, Princeton. You're five minutes away I'm from trembling with fear. We would say we don't write about anything west of the Mississippi, and that would inf- just piss people off. <laughs> and we're, and so we would say no. You have tons of magazines on the East Coast. There's so many zines and magazines already. There's there's a ton of that stuff. Uh, and it would just, I don't know, wig people out. So yeah, it's, it was kind of a regional sort of thing. But like Motor Booty, I, I read Motor Booty all the time. I loved, loved the layout, the looks. I mean, in the Bay Area, we had access to computer software because all the geeks lived here. Mm-hmm. So everyone would okay. just copy disks of primitive layout programs. So there, there seemed to be a lot of magazines that emerged out of here in the nine, late eighties, early nineties. A lot of, you know, legitimate magazines and a lot of really crackpot stuff. Backsheet 5 mm-hmm. was based here for many, many years. Sure, yeah. Filth. Filth. On our backs. So, yeah, you... On our backs. I forgot about on our backs. You, um... Yeah, because for, for me personally, I would say... Like, Conflict and Motor Booty were probably the two biggest influences for me in terms of being able to combine... The, the things I liked with humor and kind of, and be able to meld those two and not have it have to be either one or the other. And it's yeah. up to people to figure out which one people can define it. It's like we're doing a thing that has a lot of musical elements in it, but it's funny or it's a thing that's funny that has a lot of musical elements in it. Yeah. And we just were going for a broader sense of what underground culture is and you know, after a while, there didn't seem a huge need to focus on the music so much because there were so many people doing that, at, you know, at a certain point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just about the humor melding these disparate things. I mean, I'd just bring it back to the Volcano Suns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were, uh, to me, they were the funniest band, you know, but they weren't a comedy rock. It was it was, it was, was such uh, deadpan. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like bombastic deadpan Oh yeah, and uh, you know there was just this level of of absurdity and humor and kind of gallows humor. Maybe there was, but that that kind of approach necessarily wasn't really welcomed by rock fans at large. Or I think that the the humor maybe alienated a lot of people. But that was the thing that drew me to that music, sure. that band. Sure. Well, I think the music scene and the zine scene it was all very serious, right? I mean, like because it was so underground like you had to take it seriously and so we enjoyed poking fun at a lot of that mm-hmm. i was yeah. gonna say another magazine we liked a lot was um flesh and bones do you remember sure. that one yes yes that was from uh new jersey, jersey i think yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but that was another one that was kind of getting graphically weird and they'd have these like fake interviews and things like that or yeah it was very it, it definitely had a sense of style to it yeah and uh was definitely had a point of view aesthetically. Do you guys remember a zine called Snake Oil? 
remember the name. This was maybe. one of my favorites of this era. It was a bunch of guys in Texas who lived in the Bible Belt, and all they did was make fun of televangelists. Oh, I don't know this. It was brilliant. And all of the bylines were Rev- mm-hmm. Reverend Randy. You know, they all had Reverend in their names, and they they were just merciless. I mean, it was it was a regional thing, but it was so great to see people who lived in that part of the country who were surrounded by this kind of stuff, and they were just going after it. It just mm-hmm. it was it made me so happy. Yeah, to actually have a avenue for your for your anger other than calling the 800 number did they send him to the church did they send copies to the church um, no but they had a series of prank phone calls where they would call religious stations and one guy pretended to be a really old lady mm-hmm. and he would string along these christian radio djs for the longest time and then you just hear a gunshot and he would hang up <laughs> I'm trying to think of his name, but I, I thought it was that's probably pretty demented to really sit and plan out, you know, I'm going to be Velma and I'm going to call this station and, mm-hmm. and her stories would go on for 20 minutes. Yeah. And the DJs, that's right, praise Christ. Uh-huh. You know, they follow along. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we should, we should, uh, let's head toward the finish line here. I want to, uh, first I want to, let me ask everybody one question. You heard me say that horrific Patty Smith story that happened this year. So each of you, just what is the, what is the, what comes to mind when you think of your embarrassing, uh, story with a famous person? Like what, what is the one that you wish you could just strike from your own memory? When I was in middle school, I went and visited an aunt and uncle who lived in Western Massachusetts. And, uh, my aunt Alda, she was kind of a mover and shaker in the, uh, democratic state politics. So she got us tickets to Fenway Park, saw my first ever, you know, baseball game, all that. On that same trip, we went to Riverside Amusement Park in Agawam. And we were there on the same day as the Kennedy clan. So this is like probably, I don't know, 78. Something like that. Okay. The entire Kennedy clan, Ted Kennedy, all the the nieces and nephews and grandkids, the whole family was there. And my Aunt Alda was like, uh, oh, you, you got to go say hey to, to, to Senator Ted. You got to go say hi to Ted. Tell him you're my nephew. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I don't want to do that. And I, no, you should, you tell him you know me. You you tell him you know me and you'll, you'll get to, you know, I don't know what, ride the rides with them. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, I mean, uh-huh. and, you know, I, I didn't want to do it. She, you know, she'd had these inside connections for these baseball tickets, and I, I, anyway, I mean, it was something I was, I was, not really very much into doing. So, at one point, I'm waiting in line for the pirate boat swing. Okay. And I'm there with all of the Kennedy kids, and I'm standing literally in line next to, to Senator Ted Kennedy, and and I looked over and all this like egging me on, egging mm-hmm. me on, like, you know, telling you know. I said, Senator Kennedy, I'm, I'm Anthony, you know, I'm, I'm Alda Bedard's nephew. And, and he just looked at me with the most withering stare. And he said, yeah, kid, so what? <laughs> and then, and then I went and proceeded to get on to the pirate boat swing. Uh-huh. And since I was by myself, it was just, just me. And so they put me on. There was nowhere else for me to sit. 
I sat in the back row of the pirate boat swing with the Kennedys. This is uh-huh. right moments after this happened. Uh-huh. And I had to ride the whole right, cycle yeah. of the, the pirate boat <laughs> swing. And the next day, the Kennedys were on the front page of the Springfield Daily News uh-huh. riding the pirate boat swing. And you could see my forearm in the photo. But the, I don't know, like the, the venom with yeah. which he, he talked to me was, was so withering and oh. defeating and yeah. embar- like really just horrible. And how old are you at this point? Oh, 13, yeah. 12. Okay. So that's, I, I don't, yeah. Unbelievable. Wow. That's a good one. Jack, do you have one? Oh, no. 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 Okay. You right. know, I'll, I'll go. I have a okay. political one, but I won't go there. I'll change it back to music. Uh, there was a – for quite a number of years, I worked at this uh, art program over the course of the summer, and the, the really interesting faculty people, and we'd all hang out on the deck at night drinking. And um, there was a, a guy there from Detroit originally – much older than me, a jazz guy, saxophone guy, and so we'd always we'd always chit chat, and conversation came around to the MC5, and this was right. It was probably maybe ten years ago when the MC5 were doing that reunion with the three of them: no Rob Tyner, no and the Fred Sonic Smith, rotating lead singer, and the rotating lead singer. And I just, you know, we start talking about that, and I just kind of blurt out, "Man, I hear those shows have sucked." Mm-hmm. And the guy just looks at me. He's like, "Oh, I'm playing sax in a band." Uh-huh. <laughs> and, I, and I really had a back pedal. Like, I just heard yeah. Evan Dando isn't a good Rob Tyner. <laughs> I was quick on my on my feet, yeah. but I felt so bad because yeah. I like this guy so yeah. much. And, yeah. and you yeah. know, just that bloviating. <laughs> I heard it yeah. sucks. That is, yeah. And then no one has ever seen you dance. That's right. Like you danced out of that. Right, and then it occurs to me he's the perfect age to have been of age when the MC5 mm-hmm. were happening. He was of that generation. He's yeah. a jazz guy, the MC5 connecting to that sure. local universe, but it was cool. a good foot-in-the-mouth yeah. moment. Yeah, that's a good one. Wow. Uh, two two short things come to mind. Uh, the first, I, I've been buddies with Mark Marin for a long time, 20-some mm-hmm. years or so. And uh in the 90s, he was living in New York, the Lower East Side, and I was sort of following him around. I was sort of – the Nose Magazine had gone out of business, and I was sort of looking around for maybe I should move to New York. I don't know what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh And uh following him around to doing gigs and meeting all of his friends. And they're all famous now. Louis C.K., mm-hmm. uh Todd Berry, a, a, a lot of uh, uh really cool people. Louis uh, had – uh uh, an entire apartment filled with musical instruments on stands. And he goes, I don't know how to play any of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we were, we were, went out to a club to a, a, I think it was a comedy club or maybe it was a bar, but, uh, you know, there were all these people sort of milling around and this like a uh, kind of short, sweaty guy turns away from the bar to look at us. And, uh, and Marin goes, do you want to meet John Stewart? And he he mm-hmm. was he he was on television. He had a short lived talk show. Talk show, right? Yeah, right. Uh, so I had recognized him, and I'd also seen someone do a really brutal impression of him mm-hmm. in a comedy club in New York okay. uh, or, or earlier. You know, like a couple of weeks earlier. So I, I was aware of who he was, and he looks at Mark and looks at me, 
and his stare was like, why should I bother with you? Yeah. Why are you uh-huh. hanging out with this guy? <laughs> and he didn't say a word, but uh-huh. it was like, I, I, like, I can't look at him on television without thinking of that. <laughs> Feeling that. That horrible uh, stare. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Oh. Thank God he's retired. No. Yeah. Uh, and the, the other one, short, short one that came to mind, I don't know why I received a phone call from New York Magazine. We want you to write for this magazine launching called Sly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like Oprah's O magazine, except it's features Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> and it, this was sort of a men's health fitness publisher who wanted to jump into that market and create the Sly Stallone brand. Sure. And so they said, we want you to write about Stallone's new boxing reality show filming right now in Pasadena. And I went, okay, yeah. four grand, I'm there. I don't know anything about boxing. So I go to Pasadena. I hang out with uh, all of the boxing people, and it's, they all live in this complex. I don't remember the name of the show, but they had a video room where the only videos they were allowed to watch were Rocky movies. <laughs> <laughs> they were the only DVDs. Uh-huh. And uh, I had to interview the big man, Stallone. Yeah. It, it came time, and they, they let me hang out for three days, and then I finally had to go meet with him. And, uh, you know, he he – is one of those guys you see him in person you can't stop looking at his hair mm-hmm. it's just the best hair piece money can buy you know uh-huh. it's like amazing it's uh, it, and so he does you know his usual press quotes because he's getting quoted in his own magazine of course and then he uh at some point in mid i'm asking a question and then he just stands up and goes to a mirror piece and goes we'll do more later and then it was like, okay, I think I have to leave now. Uh-huh. And I got paid. I never saw the magazine. My friend said, hey, I saw it at Safeway. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm like, uh-huh. really? Okay. So I go there and check it out. And every time I had mentioned Sylvester Stallone in the story, they changed the words to Our Man Sly. <laughs> and it lasted one issue. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> that... Sorry, that was long. But no, no, that's good. That's great. How how could you have a physical fitness magazine about a guy who's like pounding human growth hormone as like allegedly as like he's, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not like, hey, here's how you work out. It's like, well, go get your hands on some human growth hormone. And that might be step one in this new physical fitness uh, regimen you're putting together. I, I, yeah, they might have had a whole page of chemical reviews, just the best yeah, chemicals. That, that, yeah, best way to get your hands on illegal PEDs. It was such a shameful period of my life. Oh, my God. Ugh, we all, it's ups and downs. Just got to stay on your feet, Jack. That's all it is. So, Anthony, Anthony Bedard, thank you for doing this. How can people find you? Let's see. Oh, uh, Theme Weavers are on Bandcamp. Okay. Theme Weavers LLC mm-hmm. on Bandcamp. Okay. And uh, people can buy things there. You can buy a couple of songs. The there's um, the original best show on FMU theme. There's the instrumental version is up there, and then we wrote a new the piece new theme. of music called the Green Room Blues, mm-hmm. which is the halfway theme now in the show. I use it halfway yeah. as an energy. It's a. It's like it's it. it 
I like the tradi- I found I, I I found I like to start with the traditional one, and then I like to shift with the new into the new one halfway through. Yeah, I, th- I think when you it was uh, when you spend as much time on the road as the uh, the theme we oh. use and sit in enough green rooms. No, I, sure you. Uh, <laughs> oh. um, so yeah, ba- theme weavers on Bandcamp. Uh, the Icky Boyfriends actually came out with a live album on John Dwyer's Castleface label mm-hmm. last year as part of their live in San Francisco series. So um, you, that's uh, that's one of our records that's still in print. Uh, Icky Boyfriends live in San Francisco. Okay. And uh, I'm booking bands at the Hemlock Tavern. So if any rock fans are ever in San Francisco, and uh, on on uh, on the Twitter, you're at Nodshot N O D S H O T. But then my I think where I probably spend the most time on Twitter is, is Folder Rock. Okay, yeah, Folder Ooh. underscore Rock, which is, is where I overshare excerpts from uh, some of the more um, I don't know. Hilarious, the the wonderful and frightening world of, you know, of band booking. Yeah. So basically, you know, the kind of the, the dark underbelly of unsolicited band yeah. it's so, materials. It's so funny. People should check both out. And Did you just solicit people for stuff a second ago? <laughs> yeah. Like you're, I'm, you're I'm, just I'm not directing, I'm, di- I'm directing rock and roll loving Thrill yeah. seekers, uh, yeah, exactly. no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> to, to stop by the hemlock and enjoy a, uh, a rock band or two. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. You actually solicited for it. You've been knocked out of the biz. Um, yeah, and thank you for for putting everything together that you and the other theme weavers have done for the live shows. It's so much fun and. It just makes it so, it's just, it makes the night that much better. So thank you. No, yeah, I wish I could even talk about it more. I don't want to, no, no plot spoilers. No, no spoilers. For the, uh, for the rest of the people on tour, but I will say that to me, I mean, it, it, I don't know, it reminds me, you know, it's kind of along the lines of my, some of my all time favorite comedy, like, it's almost like, you know, it's Newbridge brought to life is what it oh. most, is most reminds me of. So if, if you, if you love the world of the best mm-hmm. show, this this show kind of brings all that to life with multiple oh. characters and and skits. It's a, like a fully scripted two hour long show. Yeah, and oh. uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of up there with SCTV. It's kind of Mellonville, Hooterville, maybe uh, at Hooterville, Hooterville's Petticoat Junction. Yeah, you know, kind of. Uh, that's what we've been striving for. Is the Godspell God God yeah. meets Hooterville. We're trying to meld SCTV and Petticoat Junction. Finally, someone <laughs> has recognized what we've been striving for. So. <laughs> the combination nobody asked for. <laughs> yes. That's, so thank you, Anthony. Yeah, well, thanks for having us. And yes. uh, see everybody at the shows. You know. Yeah. Again, I know you mentioned not to spoil anything, but... Mm-hmm. Satriani, is he going to be a guest at the? There's only one way to find out. You buy a ticket, no guarantees, no promises. No, he will not be a part of this. <laughs> no, I will. The, your Eagles impersonator? No. Is it too late to book him? Fake Randy Meisner? No, he's he's not there. So, so, um, Danny, what what uh what are you up to now? We didn't ask what you what. 
Uh, well, I, I actually just finished a new video called Take Back Your Beaver by a artist named Candace Roberts. So if you're interested in female pubic hair, this is a video you might be interested in checking out. Okay. It's sort of a women reclaim your pubes, pube power anthem. Okay. And where can people find that? Uh, the web, YouTube. Okay, just somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Take right. back your beaver, Candace Roberts. Yeah. And, uh, and where do people find you? I am dannyplotnick.com. I got a lot of videos, YouTube and Vimeo. Just search my name. You'll okay. find me. All right. And, uh, thank you for hosting us. Yeah. My here. pleasure. We appreciate it so much. And Jack, Jack Bulware, where do, where do people find you? Uh, jackbulware.com. There's a bunch of my, uh, writings up there. Uh, Give me something better.com is, uh, the website of my, uh, last book about the, it's an oral history of the punk scene in the Bay Area. Okay. The last 30 years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, liquake.org is, uh, the festival, the literary festival. And cool. we have, uh, events throughout the year and in several cities too. New York, Seattle, Los Angeles, Austin, London. Wow. So. I forgot to mention, I'll be emceeing one of the nights of Goner Fest this year, the okay. Friday night. All right. So anybody who's going to be in Memphis, come on by and say hi. That's Memphis uh, Goner Fest, like the middle, uh, like like in the 23s or 24s or something in, of September? The last weekend in September. The last weekend of September. It's always a good time at Goner Fest. Always great bands. You should definitely do that if you want to have fun. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And, uh, again, Stereolaughs.com, L-A-F-F-S.com. We have two more shows. We have Thursday at the uh, Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. Then on Saturday, the 5th, we will be in Los Angeles at the El Rey Theater. Come out and see us. And uh, we will be back next week. Thanks so much. Bye. I think we can all agree that that was loud. You guys there? Just woke us up. Yeah. I didn't expect that. <laughs> wow. All right. And let's see who's on the phones right now. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, what's up, guys? Hey. Hi, Tom. Um, How was it going? That's not, it's going all right. I hear uh, that studio. Clearly, how are you? Good, good, very good. And and uh, Mike, obviously. I'm very good, Tom. How are you doing? I'm good. And then Kristen sounds like Kristen's there. Yeah, I'm here. How's it going? Good. Good. No different than when uh, Mike asked me. <laughs> it hasn't changed. It didn't change. Well, that's good. And that was a very good uh, recorded best show too. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was fun to do to talk to uh, to talk to uh, those guys in uh, San Francisco, and then now uh, we get to open the phones, have fun talking live, classic by show style. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure Mike, uh -huh. I'm sure Mike is loving it with me not there. I'm sure this is just yep. knowing. 
there, there was a brief window there, Tom, where Dudio actually left the studio, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I was all alone. Yeah, I, I could have made I could have made my move. Yeah, and I was like, "This is it. This is my only you're, opportunity. Yeah. King of the world. Yeah. King of the yeah. world." You're at, <laughs> yeah, your Al Haig moment. <laughs> I was psyching myself up, and then yeah. he, and then he walks back in. And he came back. Yeah, good. He knows what the score is. Yeah, I I don't leave him in here longer than fifteen minutes alone. Thank you. That is, and uh, again, he's keeping an eye on you. I got everyone keeping eyes on everybody else. Yeah, got Kristen watching both of you. Yep. Yeah, I give him in line. How'd you like exactly. that little test? Tom called in earlier, and he he was using a voice, so I I, I think he was trying to test me. You know my uh, my call screening methods. And yeah. when when I heard the voice, I was like, "Oh, this is a this is a person I have to be very sensitive with." Yeah, yeah. Like my, that's Joe. And then I went, <laughs> <laughs> this. and then Mike goes, "That's Mike." I was like, "Yeah, what do you think? You're a big shot." Now use the voice that you used on me. I'm laughing, so I'm having a hard time doing this. Now let's recreate it right now. Yeah. Okay. Best show. Who's this? <laughs> so I was like, oh, uh, this is uh, this is Mike. Hey, Mike, no. I think you're a big shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he called. And then I started, yeah, you know, I started <laughs> laughing. Yeah, yeah. I don't get called big big shot very often, so that's not I, like a regular. I took I took a, I took it as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you took it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Mike. Yeah. It's so, Tom, uh, Tom I, I have a good story for you. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for a good story. Let me hear it. So, so on the last half hour of Power, I mentioned that I was going to the uh, Bar A live Mike Francesa uh, broadcast oh, that's, that's, on Friday. Right. On Friday. Yeah, last Friday. With Southside Johnny. With Southside Johnny, of course, yes. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was, it was more or less that it was, it was a good meeting place for me and a few friends who I hadn't seen in a while. I even had friends, uh, from the Midwest, uh, who were in New Jersey. So it was, it was like a good little spot to meet. So, you know, we, we all arrived. Uh, we were there about an hour. One of my friends. Where, where is it? Where is this again to give people, uh, context? It's in, uh, Belmore. Okay, which is the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Well, although for some remember, Mike, Mike, you got to remember this is not. Yeah. We're not doing. Uh, <laughs> it's not. This is not a local community radio. We're. Oh. You're talking the world here. There's okay. people in. Uh, in uh, uh, Kuala Lumpur hearing you. They don't know where <laughs> Belmar is. Okay. They don't I, know I, where Bar A I, is. Yeah, I, I forget everybody and grow up in Central Jersey. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, so, but although, it, it, you know, to me, it was always Belmar, but now they're calling it Lake Como, which I, I've never heard that town, but whatever. So we met there, you know, before the show. We're there about, you know, a good hour before the show. And one of my friends uh, had access to VIP passes. Which, which, <laughs> which meant, you know, we had a little laminate around the neck, you know. So it was like, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. I felt like a big shot. Did you get so, some freebies? Well, I, you I felt didn't... like a big shot at the Mike Francesa. 
uh, listener convention. Yeah, well, end, of the, end of the summer listening party. Is that <laughs> yeah. what it is or something? Yeah, it's it's his little his blowout. Yeah, what, his, what was in the end swag of the bag? Blow it. No, I, I well, I didn't make it to the swag bag. So, <laughs> to, if you were a VIP, you got to stand literally on sort of a, you know a sandy. I think they have a volleyball there other times, and for whatever reason, my friends took it upon themselves to situate ourselves literally at the lip of the stage, which you know mm-hmm. the, the sun was beating down. It was it was a beautiful day. I mean, it wasn't real hot. But, you know, I'm not a sun guy, you know. So I'm standing yeah. there, and, you know, I'm a few beers in, you know, not drunk, not drunk. You know, I had a, okay. I had a few. You're having a good time. Yeah, having, having a, a good, good time. time. Mike came out. Uh, Southside Johnny did a, a a set, and then Mike came out. And did, then, he do, uh, did he do, we're having a party? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure he did, but... Uh, as I finish oh, the story, this, this this does not bode well. <laughs> no, it for... does not. So 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 he Mike does a, he does a short set. He does he does a short opening set. Mike comes out. He's greeted, you know, like a king. You know, uh, he leaves for uh, Southside Johnny's second set. And about you know, he's doing a song from a new album he's promoting. And all of a sudden, you know, I got this feeling. Have you guys ever fainted before? I haven't. No? I did it on purpose where you do the thing where you hold your breath and then they press your chest in the eighth grade. Oh, oh boy. So okay. yeah, you fainted? Did you faint? What? So <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole new story. <laughs> Just, yeah, I know, but Dudio is now on deck. His, <laughs> no, no, his, believe it or not, I've I've heard of that before. Yeah, yeah. No, I've heard okay. of I've, I've heard of kids doing it. Yeah, I've read about so, that. So suddenly, you did not feel. What did you feel? Lightheaded? Yeah, yeah. This this is my uh, the third time I've had this happen to me, and the second time, you know, I re- I recognized it from the second time. I passed out one time on a on a subway train in New oh, York. That's awful. Oh, no. I, I, I was going to work oh. in the morning. How and, how long ago was that? That was like in the early nineties, you okay. know, mid nineties in there. So it's, it's not like something that happens to me regularly, you mm-hmm. know. And I, and I made a point that morning to have some food in my stomach. You know, I probably mm-hmm. should have had should have had more water. That you know, looking back yeah. in, in retrospect, you know, instead of just diving into the beers, you know. But, uh, so, you know, I'm feeling lightheaded, and I'm in a crowd of people right at the lip of the stage, and I've got, I'm, you know, I didn't say anything to anybody. I'm trying to be discreet. I'm trying to get into this little corner where there there was a seat and some shade, uh, and I didn't make it, you know. I went down, and I, uh, I didn't crack my head on anything. You know, I went down backside first, which is the way you should go down. And, um, you know, I wasn't out for any considerable length of time. You know, next thing, you know, I sort of went down and then, then I'm like looking up at people who are all gathered around me. Are you okay? That type of thing. And then they got me into the shade and sat down and, you know, I was, I was back to normal. You know, I had some water, but, you know, being what it was, they had to have me. I missed the good part. (laughs) We we, we disconnected there. You felt lightheaded, and I, then I felt, I'm sorry to make you go back. Yeah, no, I, I felt lightheaded, and I, I fell down. You know, I, I passed out. I fainted. And I, I, I yeah, I, I went down backside, 
which, you know, I didn't scuff myself up. I didn't hit my head or anything. Uh-huh. Um, was it really crowded scary. enough that you kind of, like, there were people around you? Oh, yeah, they all gathered around me, and, and you know, that that's when I came back. You know, it was like I'm looking up at people who are like, hey, you okay? And that's the way it happened when I passed out on the subway. The first time I mm-hmm. passed out, I was like a teenager. Well, you know, a teenager who could drink, you know, an 18-year-old. And we went to Midnight Mass, and I, I was, you know, I had layers. And, um, That's right. I, I remember this story. <laughs> the story. Inc- <laughs> the, the incense started going. And, yeah, that, 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 that time had no warning. I just passed out, and my friend looked down at me, and my eyes were rolling, you know. But uh, this time I, I, knew, I knew the symptoms. My, you know, my, my vision gets blurry, you know, and that's what happens. To me, fainting is like a preview of death without losing control of your bowels. <laughs> because, because it's like everything's going white, you know? It's like right. I, knew, I knew what was coming, you know? And I didn't have control of myself. I didn't have control of my body. But you had control of your bowels. Yeah, the bowels, yeah. <laughs> Which is, like I said, it's a preview of death without that. Which is a good thing. But then the next thing you know, there's an EMS that has Did to... Did they take you out on a stretcher? Oh, no. Yeah, no. I mean, they, they went they, <laughs> they went the full route with me. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, Were and you it, embarrassed? Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was truly embarrassing. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> cause I knew, you know, they have to do this for legal reasons, even though I felt yeah. fine. You know, I felt fine once I, you know, got out of the sun and had some water. But, you were uh, not on camera with this, were you? Well, you know what? <laughs> I, I am. I'm still dreading that. Like you know, I was. I was. Like I said. I mean, all those Francesa fans were there. Somebody could have just as easily have shot a clip of me going down. Yeah. Um, and I, you're a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, nope. Nobody knew me there. Nobody knew. Me. <laughs> nobody knew who I was. I. Nobody came up to me and said, "Hey, Mike." You know. But uh, you know. That was something I, I was dreading that, like, oh, wow, you know, this is going to become, like, a highlight from the Francesa Barre show, some uh, guy some uh. guy passing out, you know? And, uh-huh. and, 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 I, and my heart actually sank today. I caught a little bit of the show. He wasn't on today. But somebody uh, was talking uh. about that they were at the Barre show, right? <laughs> and they said, oh, no. <laughs> he started going to, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Look, this is this is what you know, oh, no. I, I haven't even gone on Twitter to look to see if this has been documented, you know? Like you know, like oh, I, no. I I must have been like the first fatality, you know, right? But but this guy starts telling about, oh yeah, I was at Bar A this week. It was great, you know. But you know, there was an incident, you know. I'm like I'm like, oh my god, you know, here it comes, you know. And he's like, no, well my my friend threw up and they kicked him out of the bar. So I was like, all right, well I didn't throw oh. up. I, I, I didn't go down yeah. that road, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, the EMS that was that was fun. They're they're putting the uh, EKG things on me and oh. the, yeah, everything. You know, they <sighs> they put me on the stretcher. Did, My friends. Did you just <laughs> go home after that? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was saved the uh, the indignity of asking like, could I go back in? Two of my, friends, two, two uh-huh. of my because I, I don't think they were going to let me in. You know, I I, no. I, I yeah. sense that they're, they're not they're gonna they're not going to give me a second chance to faint. No. You know, yeah. So, but two of my friends sort of <laughs> stepped up to the plate and said, "Hey, you know, we've had enough of Southside Johnny." <laughs> <laughs> they, they were not Southside Johnny fans, 
and and they they took me out of there. You know, uh, I wasn't oh, driving. Um, I hope you're. I'm, I hope you're okay. You're yeah, okay. I am good. I'm good. You know, I mean, yeah. I, like I said, I think it's like one of these isolated incidents. I, I went online, mm-hmm. and and now I actually kind of know. There's like a little tip you could do if you feel lightheaded, if your vision starts going blurry. They say you can clasp your hands together, raise your elbows a little bit, and and like sort of uh, clench your 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 hands. And I guess this gets mm-hmm. the, this moves the blood back to your brain, you know. Sure, so, sure, uh, that makes sense. That, so at or, least, or in, you know, in Southside Johnny lingo, that's, <laughs> that's that that means you reach you reach up and touch the sky, yeah. right? Yeah, Just remember yeah. that, Mike. Yeah. Next time you feel like you're going to faint, <laughs> Southside Johnny says, "Reach up and touch the sky." I, I, I wonder if the uh, fainting spell was even acknowledged by Southside Johnny, or if he if he's just used to it happening at his shows all the time, you know. But he, he must <laughs> Southside Johnny probably saw you hit the deck and was just like, "Yeah, another guy couldn't believe he was seeing the master in concert again." <laughs> Happens. Happens more than you'd think. <laughs> Guy couldn't handle the star power, the wattage. <laughs> so jaded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but, then, yeah. yeah. So that was my uh, my little uh, <laughs> incident. So I wonder if Mike Francesa knows. That a guy fainted at his thing. Does he know? That closes the circle. The circle is much is much more. It's 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 we're we're separated by one. You. I, I can I can already hear if I if I call in and told him that story. I can already hear him say, "Wait a second! Wait a second! Was I on stage? Was I on stage?" <laughs> yeah. It doesn't count if I'm not on stage. <laughs> Yeah, well, I gotta say, first of all, obviously, I'm glad you're okay. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I uh, wonder was this a televised? Like, was this one of his broadcasts? No, things? no, it wasn't televised, which is a good thing. Oh. <laughs> Wait, cam- no, it was the, not a good thing. The camera pans over, and there I am. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Mike, that's the opposite. Of not a good thing. Well, it was a good thing for me. Yeah, oh no, it's good for you. <laughs> Bad for the masses. Us. Yeah, yeah, the masses. Yeah, the masses. Uh-huh. Bad for the masses. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you're all right. Good. Yeah. No, I'm good. <laughs> Where are you right now? Where are you calling from? Where? Yeah. San Francisco. Now I I know, but where in San Francisco are you? At your hotel? Or are you? I'm not gonna say. <laughs> maniac! I'm not, I'm not saying say me. the name of the hotel. It's, <laughs> I'm just curious. Uh, they can a parking lot. Can, yeah. Well, where does it sound like I'm calling from? Bathroom. A bathroom? No. <laughs> I'm not on the street. Let's say okay. That. Okay, I'm in the hotel. That's what I was going to say. It's, that's pretty much what it is. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it's very nice here. Have you been, who who there has been to San Francisco? I haven't. Uh, we've got good friends there, though, so got to go Got to go to San Fran. How about you, Mike? Hello? I haven't been there. What do you think? 
I would have made the pilgrimage as a deadhead at, at some point, but uh, I haven't been there. Have you been by uh, Height Ashbury? I was uh, I was there today. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was walking. I did a lot of walking around the last day or so. See a lot of hippies. So. Um. Well, they're different now. They're not. I wouldn't call them hippies uh-huh. as much as I'd call them. They all look like Rob Zombie crossed with a hippie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, like that. They don't look like pure hippies. It's like. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like half hippie, half Rob Zombie hybrids. Uh-huh. A lot of white boy dreadlocks. A lot of that, and a lot of uh, creepy leather jackets. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Even in the middle of summer, they they got the leather jackets. Oh going. yeah. yeah. Well, Mike, as Mark Twain once said, <laughs> the coldest winter he ever experienced <laughs> was summer in San Francisco. <laughs> No, I know. I know it's cool. You know, I know it is yeah. cool. But leather jackets, wow. Yeah, Mike. Just plays into a quote by Samuel Clemens, <laughs> otherwise known as Mark Twain: "The coldest winter I ever experienced was summer in San Francisco." We hear some echo in the line there because I thought by putting a call uh, on the air here, I it would I could control it from the other uh, the other. Uh, slider but it sounds like the caller is on with us right now so oh, really no i am caller hey hi hi how are you doing Who's this this is emily from austin hey emily hello, hello. you did your studio and mike and, and Kristen. you drive the bus i'm just I'm just going to be seasoning on these calls. That's how I do what I like. No, they're not listening. They're listening for the seasoning. But you just realize, I expect, I don't want some light touch on this. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want you uh, overindulging the callers. I want to, I want the hammer coming down. Do you need like a, a code word? Just like when Tom said, the code word is going to be, Hammer. When you hear me say ha- it's hammer time, you okay. hang up on these people. Another guy from the Bay Area. <laughs> hammer. When I say hammer time, you hang up on them. I did not say that, though, for Emily and Austin. Okay, the ahead. next time you say it, I will hit it. This is really stressful. We could offend Relax. people. Relax. <laughs> We're not where you are in your career. We have to uh, work our relationships. We can't hurt anybody. Can't hurt anybody? No. Okay. Look, the cops are going crazy out there. I think the Zodiac Killer is back. I only hear our sirens going on. Can I ask you a question, Tom? Sure, Mike. Ask me the question that I'm going to dread hearing. (laughs) That you've been thinking about all day. Does hammer time work for Mike? It came up... During the pre-recorded portion of this show, oh, no, you... no, no, Hammer Time does not work for Mike. That's the thing. <laughs> okay, Hammer, Mike, Mike, Mike is not. Yeah, so, so it came up in the pre-recorded portion. Yeah, yeah. You, you you discussed a scenario in which you see yourself being, you know, knifed, uh, a quick uh, knifing. Is, is, yeah. Is, is have you thought of that scenario for a long time, or you know, it's it's. I'm just curious about that. Um, 
It's it's a it's a it, it has always seemed like a bad way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a knife. Yeah, to that fast prison yard stabbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Style. Yeah. Of of stabbing. Mm-hmm. But I, I saw something recently. Maybe I saw a Scarface, like I had mentioned on uh, when we were doing. I had as the truly terrible way to go. Mm-hmm. How about you? Now, my, my scenario I always envision for myself is that, you know, I live alone. I suspect I will die alone. And that, you know, the well, male... We all die alone. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Very philosophical <laughs> as well. Uh, but, you know, the mailman will become the first person who is aware of my demise... And they will, they will have to alert authorities, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and they'll find me wedged in in, in, a, in a, an awkward position, you know, <laughs> near the bed, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, my like, God. You always sure. like, I, I, I suspect that, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get into a position that, you know, they're, they're going to be curious. Like, how, you know, what happened? Well, he, he died, you know, he died mm-hmm. and, and you just go down. And yeah, it may not be the prettiest landing. Oh, so you're going to be standing when you go? No, I, I may be, you know, bedridden, you know, like. And then you'll just fall out. You're going to go out. like, and, uh, slip, like uh, fall, uh, Michael yeah. Corleone. <laughs> you're tip over in a chair. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, some sort of sudden, sudden thing, you know. I guess the the, the most embarrassing, which I always think of, like when I'm changing in the morning, is that like if I go. You know, when I, I'm not fully dressed, that would be a bad mm-hmm. way to go. I had a guy tell me in, in a bar, and I'm not making this up. People think, <laughs> hey, Mike, do you make that stuff up? No, this is this is stuff I hear. You know, I'm out on the streets. I'm out on the streets. He's, he's, for every one he's given you, he's keeping nine to himself. <laughs> that's, the, that's the worst part of this whole thing. He's, He's not even giving us everything. These are the these the the choice select. <laughs> One of my bar buddies told me, you know, uh-huh. and, and, and this he told me this was his father. This is how you know, which is like, you know, to me it was a quite a forthcoming comment. He said his father died while urinating. Oh wow! <laughs> what was that noise? Somebody laughed. Is Tom still there? <laughs> yeah. No, that was Emily. That was Emily in Austin. She laughed at that. Uh, uh, dark. Very no, dark. But Real that, dark. And he Emily. was found. He was found. He was discovered in a standing position. Oh. He didn't topple over. He just stayed perfectly still. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did he finish being? Well. No. Mike, what would It all runs out in the end. You know how you were worried about the mailman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if what if the person you looked at what if the last person you saw was Southside Johnny? <laughs> that would have been a bad way to go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And he wasn't even he doing one of he wasn't even doing one of the hits. <laughs> he did something from his new album. <laughs> a new album. A new album track. So you would rather a slow would you, song from his new album. <laughs> would you rather die alone or with Southside Johnny? Alone. <laughs> I think that's a little more dignified. What if it's Southside Johnny and and all of the Asbury juice? 
<laughs> well, all the jukes were there for this show. Um, Original jukes or new jukes? Well, no, there's quite a few new jukes, I think. There has to be. Yeah. There's no way that thing would be. The, pro- the money that's coming in on that thing, there's no way you hold on to the original jukes. No. That yeah. He's had to retool the, the pay structure uh, of uh, those performances so that Southside Johnny keeps 90% of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you wouldn't want to look up at Southside Johnny. <laughs> and think that... That 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 Southside Johnny was God, yeah. That, you know, uh, and have him tell you. Well, that would probably be the that would be the weirdest one. Is that you you go looking at the mouth, and then next thing you see is Southside Johnny in a white robe, and you're like, wait a minute, am I? This might be hell. Actually, this actually could be hell. That Southside Johnny, you know, you, is you, like. As somebody who grew up in Central Jersey, you're you're sort of describing something, yeah, that could be hell. Some of my, yeah, some of my friends just like enough with the Southside Johnny, you know. We've we've grown up with it, and you know, you 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 get your fair amount of shows where it's like, hey, Bruce is going to be there, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And, and I yeah. did see I did see Bruce Springsteen play with him one time. You know, this was probably mm-hmm. you know in the nineties. Was it one of those light of day benefits? No, I can't even remember what it was. It was it was on the the out, outdoor stage at the Stone Pony, so it was some sort of big thing. He does like a, a big summer thing, usually around the Fourth of July, and that's like his big, you know, hey, Bruce is going to be there, you know. <laughs> it's like, and they all <laughs> yeah. show up, you know. He gets that crowd, and then he doesn't show, and then he doesn't show up. But I, I saw him oh. once with him. Emily's- yeah, it's a little weird growing up in New Jersey with Southside Johnny because he's like this. It's like the more available version of Bruce Springsteen. Like, yeah. like if Bruce is a stadium, Southside Johnny is playing a show at, at Rutgers. Yeah, and you can. You, he's a little more accessible. Yeah, I but, think, and and, and uh, Springsteen must acknowledge that you know, like the road, you know, where it diverged. Right? I mean, you know. Southside Johnny went one way, Bruce went the other way. And that's the way life yeah. is, you know? That is, that's a poem, I believe Robert Frost said. <laughs> Two roads diverged. One Bruce Springsteen walked down, the other with Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. I chose the road less terrible. <laughs> this may and be the, the most literary the uh, show ever. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, I know. Look, Mike, that's what happens when I go when I go to City Light <laughs> Books. That's still going out there, huh? I come away like a, like I'm a beat poet. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, we still have Emily on the line. Do you have a question or anything? Are you talking to me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, yeah, I have. Uh, I can ask a question to Tom, or I have a story about fainting, or I can talk about something else. But um, oh man, talk, talk about fainting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so I've um, fainted in public also, but I've also had seizures in public. Oh my! And um, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But if you have seizures, I think it's a big deal. But um, I had a seizure at a job once. Like my first day on the job. Your first day? What was the job? It was a writing job in Los Angeles, and it was writing about Las Vegas nightlife. 
oh my God. at a weird place in Studio City that was next to a child casting agency. <laughs> and uh, Perfect. <laughs> and uh, my boss there, this guy with a mustache, he made a bunch of money because he patented a lot of rea- virtual reality machines, like in the 80s. Weird. And, yeah, um... Anyway, so uh, we were in our first meeting in the conference room, and then I woke up with a blanket on me on the floor, and oh. I realized that uh, my skirt had come up, oh, so no. everyone yeah. definitely see my arm. Oh, arms. my God. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and that's your inter- first day at this job? Mm. Yeah, and I, stay, I came back, but... Um, uh, yeah, the underwear said, shut up and kiss me all over it because it was oh. Victoria's <laughs> Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. How long ago did this happen, Emily? <laughs> I was like six years ago. Okay. How long did you well, stay there? How long did you work there? About four and a half months. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good tenure. Did anyone ever end up? No, uh, I mean, like. <laughs> did anyone oh, bring up the uh, the underwear? No. no, nobody ever did, and I later made out with one of the guys who worked there, and uh, everyone else quit. <laughs> I mean, this sounds like uh, you you fared well. You came out on top. Yeah, I mean, it was awkward for a little while. <laughs> yeah, uh, the way I see it, this is a tale of a survivor. Just yeah. Like, just like my, <laughs> yeah. my story was a, a tale of a survivor. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's why I was relating, yeah. Uh, when you're no, I, your I, I agree, Mike. So I didn't mean to step <laughs> on you there, Emily. Sorry. No, not at all. Um, uh, Tom, I was going to ask where you're staying in San Francisco. I mean, uh, okay, not where you're staying, but what uh, neighborhood do you know? I don't want to say. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. It's easy to figure I mean, out. They're not like. Are you in the Mission okay. District? What do we know? Yeah, I'm down in the Mission District. Main Street. <laughs> I'm down there. Look, I'm on Main Street, and everybody wants to find, find me on Main the Street. Tender line? The Tenderloin. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, and I I'm going to be. There. I'm moving to the Tenderloin later. <laughs> so I'm looking for the world's uh, the first uh, San Francisco style burrito because <laughs> that was invented here. Yeah, yeah we just were we invented just, here. We yeah. just watched a documentary on them. And it seemed delicious. Wait, hold on. Wait, you watched the documentary on burritos? Yeah, on mission-style burritos. I don't know if that was what the whole thing was about, but it was it a was, good chunk of it. It was on San Francisco cuisine, yeah. and uh-huh. it definitely was uh, the It was major, like 90 minutes on say, mission burritos. <laughs> they, wow. They I went down. There. I went down. I did the the my favorite thing here and went to Fisherman's Wharf. And I saw the sea lions down at Pier 39. Aww. There's hundreds of them all piled on top of each other out on these uh, little uh, little uh, little uh, raft things, whatever you call them, little docks floating out there. Mm. That's so cute. It's very, and it's funny. They're, they're, they shove each other and they're scream, howling and <laughs> jumping in the water and they rest. They're like wrestling with each other, and they're knocking each other off the off the raft. Just like humans. And then they're sl- <laughs> just like what? Just like humans. Yeah, just like humans. <laughs> I tell you, Mike, you really. Uh, Do they still have the Alcatraz found- tour? 
No, they stopped. Of course uh, they still uh, have. I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay. Well, it's a perfect that, year to end that'd this. Be like, yeah, they still have that Statue of Liberty uh, tour. Thing. Like, like they're gonna. There's new people coming every day who are like, I want to go to Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you one thing: Alcatraz is awesome. When you, yeah. I haven't, I did not do it this time, uh-huh. but that's a great. I love it. Okay, that's good to know. You see that prison. You know what I see when I see that prison, Mike? <laughs> that ship? Angles. No, I see angles. I see how I'd get out. Okay. I see, oh, okay. I see, I see a, a pipe here. I see a, uh, I see a little corridor there, and I'm just like, yeah, I could have gotten out of this place. <laughs> the new Birdman. The new Birdman, exactly. <laughs> Birdman 2. <laughs> Re-escape from, uh, except I would be escaping from Alcatraz, the, uh, the tour, the, 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 the tourist trap. I'd go through the gift shop. Do you get those like black and white outfits that they wore? Or is it, is that, what do they, they have in the gift them. shop? Yeah. You can get one of those black they and white. Them. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can outfits. Get a little, uh, yeah. You can get the old fashioned prison jumper. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. They saw that out on the out of yeah. Can you pick one of those up for me? I'll, I'll reimburse you. Seriously, you want one? Yeah, that'd be cool. One? That'd be cool. I'll get you one. <laughs> would you cool. Would you wear it while you're working? Oh, Halloween. <laughs> uh-huh. I think you could probably find a cheaper one at at Party City, Mike. If you're looking for <laughs> cheap one, this is like this, just because it'll say Alcatraz on it, they're going to charge five times as much as as you can for it. Uh-huh. But I'll pick you one up. Okay. I'll, I'll get you one. Uh-huh. What do you want? You want that? What do you want, dude? You want a magnet? What do you want? Hey, a magnet would be fun. What do you like? You collect magnets, don't you? Uh, I can start. Oh, don't start collecting. <laughs> don't you it and would, or Chris collect would. some sort of tourist thing? Do we collect tourist things? We have some magnets on the fridge. Yeah, not. we have magnets. We don't go crazy. No globes? No globes? What do you collect? We do Christmas ornaments. Yeah, Christmas ornament. Okay, you call it Christmas ornament. Maybe a meaningful Christmas ornament. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'll pick you up a uh, Lawrence Ferlinghetti uh, <laughs> Christmas ornament. That would be meaningful. That'd be I'll wonderful. Pick you up a, uh, I'll get you a nice uh, howl ornament, <laughs> where when you press it, you hear the, the entire Allen Ginsberg reading howl in its entirety. <laughs> it plays. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Right, Mike. A very literary show. How about actually, this? I, yeah. yeah. I, actually, you know, you got me thinking. Maybe, maybe uh, I should go for a Neil Cassidy T-shirt. There's, there's probably a lot of those out there. Oh, I'll get you a Neil Cassidy shirt. Yeah, that'd be I'll get cool. you the let's see the list. The list. <laughs> so far, you might want the prison jumper, uh, Neil Cassidy shirt. Uh, Duty wants a magnet. Kristen wants a snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I mean, a Christmas ornament. Okay. It would be our first uh, snow globe. You can't even. You can't fly with those things. Yeah, they don't let you. They don't let you anymore. Fly with what? A, a Christmas ornament? A snow yeah, globe. snow globe. Snow globe? Yeah, yeah, you have to check them. Too oh, much water. I'll ship it back. Don't worry, I'll ship it. <laughs> oh my god! You think I'm running? What do you think I'm running here? You think this is like this is my first rodeo, guys? So when do you go to L.A. and where are you staying in L.A.? Oh, please. Oh, by all means, let's go. Um, Back with the personal break down every detail. I'll be in the lobby around. I don't, I, I, I truly don't know where or 
I don't know any of it. I, I really don't. I'm interested in the show Thursday night, September 3rd, at Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a Sharpling and Worcester live. Who knows when we'll ever be back here to do it again. There's other places to get to. This is going to be it for the foreseeable future, both this and the Los Angeles show. So people should, if you're on the West Coast, you check it out. We had people going. I talked to a few people who went to both Seattle and Portland, and they had such a great time and said they had, they liked both shows. Both shows were different and so much fun. They're glad they saw both. So don't miss it. See at least one of the shows, my West Coast friends. Yeah, that's great. You had uh, Ben Gibbard in Seattle. Who who stopped by in Portland? It was Steve, uh, Stephen Malcolmus or Stephen Malcolmus and Ma- and Matt Fraction. Oh wow! How did uh, Stephen Malcolmus uh, deal with uh, Gary? It was good. It was a battle a battle of the wits. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Gary was. Uh, he's he's not here now. I'm not sure if he <laughs> is in San Francisco yet. <laughs> okay. Um, but he uh there's a little sparring was, uh, going on. He 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 gives it. Yeah. He gives it you 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 he gives it as good as he gets it. He gets <laughs> he gives it better than he gets it. <laughs> Everybody goes easy on him cuz he's a squirrel little little dude. Mm-hmm. You and him, man. You hate each other. And this is a weird <laughs> thing. Dudio and Mike don't like each other. Dudio doesn't like Mike. Mike doesn't <laughs> like Dudio. Not at all. Kristen <laughs> likes like studio. Kristen hates Mike. Yeah. Mike likes Kristen. Yeah. So I like Pat, it. Pat Byrne, hate, Pat Byrne hates all of you. Yeah, well, he couldn't show tonight. Yeah. That's yeah what he said he, he like was, would have been sick to his stomach. That's what he said. He yeah. Was, yeah, that's what he said. He said he couldn't stomach it. <laughs> you're, the new, you're, yeah. the, you're the neutralizing influence. So, like, Pat, yeah. Pat can't stand to be here. Without you, Utah. Thank you, Mike. I think. <laughs> um, any phone calls? Anybody? Uh, we had a few, but they dropped off. Uh, so if oh, you want to call oh. right at this moment, you'll get in 201 332 3484. Oh my God. It's like we're giving away tickets. Number. First one, I will hit the button right now. No avalanche, Bob, yet? <laughs> Well, he did call in earlier. Yes. What, so what did he say earlier? Avalanche Bob called in earlier. He wanted to announce he's playing as a result of this show, Tom. He mm-hmm. got a gig because he, of the best show. He got he got a gig at the living room nice. in Brooklyn. He, I, did not, okay. I did not get a date for that, so people will have to look that up. Avalanche Bob, live at the living room in Brooklyn. Nice. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. He's on the, he's on the comeback trail. Yeah. All right, here's a caller. Hello? 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 Hey. Hey. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Mike. Yes, who's this? Hey, it's John from Maplewood. Hey, John, how are you? Okay, am I on the air? You're on the air, John. Oh, my. Okay. (laughs) Welcome. How are you all doing? Good. Good. John, let Um, me apologize. I haven't been able to listen much tonight, so I apologize, guys. Off any sort of topic or anything, um, but I wanted to share with you a quick story of something that happened to me that I thought might be somewhat interesting for you guys. Does it have to do with candy? 
Have to do with what? Candy. <laughs> candy? No, it does the not. The piles of candy, you, you guys, I, I saw you on Instagram, and I saw just it was like uh, you, you'd think uh, you were the new uh, Willy Wonka with all the <laughs> pictures of candy bars on your well, I went on a 1,200-mile road trip with my son, and he likes candy. So we went into Canada, so we were definitely experimenting uh, with new bizarre candies. Arrow? Did he try Arrow? He did not try Arrow. He, uh, he, he actually was kind of mortified by the Canadian candies. So, like, they had, like, raisin and biscuit, thing, like, stuff I can't even describe. So he stuck with... Uh, the usual American fare. Usually they'll have a very compressed Mars bar that seems like it's made out of, like, black hole-type material because it's so small. It must be the most dense candy bar in history. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> it's, they're, they're, otherwise, they're selling, like, trick-or-treat-sized things over the counter. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's like the opposite of the arrow, right, which is just full of air, right? It's Ugh, just like, arrow's gross. I'm sorry, yeah. Canada. <laughs> you, boot, you booted it with the arrow. It's like this low-grade. It's like those candy that's in like a – it's like low-grade chocolate. The best part of the whole thing are the, spot, the parts that aren't chocolate. The air parts are the best thing because there's less of that terrible chocolate to eat. They're sparing you with the air. Yeah, I want the Aero bar that's more air than chocolate. Well, I was also, I found it bizarre they had a candy called the Catherine Wheel, which was made of licorice, and it's named after a medieval torture execution device. Was it named after the uh, David Byrne soundtrack to the... Yeah, I While guess the art musical. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually. Yeah. But, oh, okay. Well, I mean, it wasn't, but I mean, it's yeah, it is the same name. You're right. Okay. Okay. But well, I, I don't know if they made candy bars that were sort of branded for that. It's an alternative. Arp. It's an alternative interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. We we it was a it was a great road trip. Someone bounced. A lot Someone of candy bounced back from the studio. I'm not nuts about this. <laughs> Somebody bounce them. I'm putting you in the. That's strike one. I'm okay. sorry, Mike. I'll refrain for the next David ten minutes. David Byrne. You bring up your David Byrne album. Okay. This guy's trying to tell a story about his traveling with his family. Next thing you know, you're going to be talking about. Uh, uh, we talk about the true stories. <laughs> yeah. I still have it I, on I vinyl. Admit, I will admit to having owned that Twilight Art David Byrne album. So. So I'm okay. Um, okay no, the story job, actually so. didn't have to do with uh, my son. We were uh, in town in Maplewood. We had a um, uh, some monks come to town, uh, some Buddhist monks, yeah. and they were going to do a uh, mandala painting mm-hmm. and uh, uh, sand art. You know, it's the yeah. kind of thing where they make a beautiful design out of sand and then they blow it away to show how life is, you know, fleeting and. Uh, everything passes Mm -hmm. and um i met i didn't meet but i came across maybe the worst person in the world at this thing Mm -hmm. um so there was a ceremony for the blowing away of the mandala was it richard gear what's that richard gear 
Richard Gere was not there. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, that's right, Richard Gere. <laughs> okay. That's a strike two. Um, <laughs> so, three strikes within <laughs> one call, Mike. That's a, that's a five-month suspension <laughs> from the show, and, the delete, and we delete your Bandcamp account. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. John, sorry. Go, go ahead, John. Quite all right. Excuse, um, excuse so the long, long, excuse the braying. That, uh... <laughs> so it's a pretty long ceremony waiting for the mandala to get blown away, and there's a lot of throat singing um, for probably about 20 minutes, and this guy next to me starts getting really exasperated. He keeps making, like, sounds like, ugh. Like, he's really had enough of this. But, you know, and this is a pretty spiritual experience. Um, and he finally gets exasperated, and he mumbles, vape break, and walks out. And the doors are all open, and he starts, he, like, walks up the door and starts vaping. Like, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. <laughs> The like vape. waiting for this, the, <laughs> waiting for this to end. The vape, ba- yeah. <laughs> the vape break heard around the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know that what they say in uh, is that the way that that life works, John, is that uh, on one side of the world you can just have someone vaping, right? <laughs> and then on the other side of the world, there's like a a, a, a tidal wave. It's the way it's just the way that 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 the world that the nature works, right, Mike? Yeah. No, I don't know if you thing. saw it earlier on Twitter, Tom. I started a hashtag called Best Show Cones, and <laughs> and, and and it came to me, what? And my, my and and I said, if I crack a beer in the studio, and mm-hmm. Tom Sharpling oh, oh, oh. and Tom I Sharpling isn't here to hear it, mm-hmm. did it did it make really a chiku? Yeah. <laughs> it did. Well, the one thing I would say, though, if Dudio's there and he can say whether it did, then it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it 100% did. Okay. Well, I would say, why don't we do some spiritual best show stuff uh, like that? Like, because if, a, if, a, what, what, if one would vape on a butterfly, is that how it goes? <laughs> right? Yeah. If you, va- if you vape out on a butterfly wing. On the other side of the world, is there a, a hurricane? Is that how it goes? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it yep, goes. That's yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh-huh. those are like modern. We should do like modern <laughs> versions of these things, right? Well, somebody came up with a good one and said, uh, what is the sound of one hand laser whipping? Oh, that's great. Yeah, I thought that I was like a good one. Topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> best, best show cones. Best show cones, yes. Being in line with the new, with the, with just the high-mindedness that's going on now in the best show. But um, in case anybody's worried, don't worry. I went to a comic book store and made sure I bought, uh, I made sure I bought some Fantastic Four comics today. In case anybody was worried that things might be getting too out of hand. I Is the thing still alive? Down. Thing still alive? Yeah, he's still going. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't read them yet. <laughs> Are these new issues or? <laughs> um, 
fairly new? They're, they're the ones Matt Fraction did called FF. Oh, okay, yeah, that was a great run. Yeah, so I don't know if the thing is in it. He's, uh, yeah, he's in it. Does the thing have internal organs? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 100%. Okay. So it's just a rock-like surface. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's been a while. Well, go see the movie, Mike. It'll yeah. fill you in on everything. <laughs> all my answers, all my questions answered. <laughs> they could use the help. <laughs> well, guys, that's all I got. All right. Thank you, John. <laughs> hey, have a good Thanks, night. John. Thanks, John. All right. Hey, break. Hey, break. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked that story. Yeah, that was a good, uh, that was a good story. Let's go to line two. Yeah, that was a good uh, story. Let's go to line two. I just heard that. Who is this? Uh, this is Jeremiah from Austin, Texas. Rumor, rumor from Austin, Texas. Jeremiah from Austin, oh, Texas. Yeah. Or Jeremiah. I could oh, hear Jeremiah. him clearly. <laughs> I, I did not hear that. Oh. I heard rumor. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I have, no, my no. name is actually Ermer. No, uh, Mike's, <laughs> Mike's making that up. It's, I heard it clearly. Jeremiah. Uh, yeah. How's yeah. it going, Jeremiah? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Great. Uh, there's a lot of you, so I want to say hi to all of you, but I don't know who all is in the studio. Well, I'm Dudio. Kristen. Hi, Dudio. Hello. Mike is here. And Kristen. Hi, Mike. And Tom is on the phone. Tom is on the phone. What's up? Is Jeremiah? Tom still on the phone? Hi, oh, yeah. Tom. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Tom. Um, well, I don't have, I don't know what you guys are talking about right now, but, uh, I can tell you a story. Go for it. Uh, so I'm on a group text with some friends of mine, and, uh, very recently I made a joke about Burning Man, and now they all want to go to Burning Man. Mm-hmm. What was the joke? Uh, like 2018. Like, we want to go in the future. We want to go, like, three years from now. We want to, like, make cars and do the whole thing. No, what was your joke? Oh, uh, I, I, I think I said, here are, I, I think I sent something that was, like, uh, packages for your lower parts or something that was a joke. Like, here's what you would wear to Burning Man, and then... It, it got out of hand from there. Hammer. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Line three. You're on the best show. Oh, hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. How's it going? Good. Who's this? Um, I just wanted to call in. I was one of the... Uh, Fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how you look at it, few who saw the Zac Efron DJ movie, um, We Are Your Friends. Oh, wow. How was it? Yeah. Um, I think the easiest way to describe it is it was Entourage, the prequel. Okay. The funny thing about that movie is that only his friends saw it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't part of the selection. I think I was the one outlier who isn't friends with him. Um so I was yeah. the one, the one ticket that said, uh, one, couldn't get into, one for couldn't we get are into, friends. Couldn't get into straight out of Compton. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I saw the trailer for it, like I legitimately thought it was a funnier die sketch. Like the first time I saw the trailer for it, I was like, well, this can't be an actual movie, can it? And yeah, just turned what, out what an exciting a, adventure, whether this guy will be able to 
DJ at a thing successfully. <laughs> well, then that's and get, basically what I was going to call in and ask to see um, if you were to write a DJ movie, what would the plot of the movie be? Because this one was definitely lacking in the plot department. I'd, I'd, I'd have that kid throw his back out uh, lugging lugging records. I'd have him throw his back out and make it about that. Just like lugging crates of records. No Serato for that dude. Lug your vinyl. Lifts a crate. Oh, something gives in his back. He heard something pop. Next thing you know, he's doing a DJ job flat on his back. I'd start there. There's a pile of bar drink tickets underneath the bed. <laughs> Hammer. <laughs> Hammered. Oh Thank you, uh, line four. You're on the best show. Hello, how are you guys? Very good. Good. This is Evan in Saskatchewan. <gasps> Canada. Yes. <laughs> What's going on up there? Well, I'm just farming. We're just driving home from the tractor. Oh, wow. <laughs> what do you farm? <laughs> Uh, just a bunch of land, a bunch, a bunch of land. Do you have like a specific crop or something or? Yeah, we're working on canola. Canola. Clearly, (laughs) clearly growing drugs, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's an operation up here. I have a a question for everybody. Okay, shoot. If, uh, if you were to have one special guest. At the San Francisco show, would you pick Bob Weir in his jean shorts, rat dog? Would you pick Mickey Hart with white gloves playing handbells and a rain stick? Or the ghost of Pigpen? Well, the ghost, obviously. Because the other, that would be the most impressive one that a ghost showed up. Yeah. That doesn't happen every day. The ghost of Pigpen? Yeah. I don't know. Mickey Hart's wearing the white gloves. Yeah. Playing handbells. Right, right, Mike? Yeah, no, I, I had my fill of uh, Mickey Hart this year. <laughs> so yeah. I'm good. And actually, I had my fill of uh, Bob Weir as well. You're not going to go to Dead oh. & Company? Speaking of passing out, he passed out on stage once. And now he's got like a little stool that he leans against during his uh-huh. performances. Wow. Guess he heard his own mu- he heard his own music maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He turned it up in the monitor for the first time, and he actually wait. That's what we sound like. Uh-huh. Blonk. In those farewell, well, I only saw one of the fair fare thee well shows, and he just looked disgruntled through the entire thing. You know, I, I you know, I mean, he's got the beard covering most of his face, but I mean, still, he did not look like he was enjoying himself, even though. He had tons of money rolling in. I, I would have been, you know, at least, you know, cracking a smile once in a while. Eh, who cares? Hey, blow. <laughs> right? It's just the worst. Yeah. I almost cursed. That would have been, been good. I almost cursed. You almost got me. An F bomb? I forgot. I would have. Uh, yeah. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> All right. Do you want to take a couple more calls and then call it? Take a couple more calls, then we'll wrap it up. And uh, 
Okay. Let's just say right now, though, uh, everybody, please, uh, Sharpling and Worcester live. We uh, we are in San Francisco this Thursday, September 3rd. It's Great American Music Hall. There's still tickets available. And then the final date of the tour, September 5th, Saturday, Los Angeles, El Rey Theater. You can get tickets over at Stereolaughs.com. It's L-A-F-F-S. I know I've been talking about it a whole lot. And that's just because... Um, yeah, it's like, look, we came here, other side of the country, we're doing these shows. They're a lot of fun, and if you're around, come and see it. Tickets are selling, and uh, shows are close to selling out, and it'll be fun, and uh, lots of surprises. And, Dudia, what do you have uh, coming up? Uh, well, the next uh, Bridge and Tunnel, Get Real with Bridge and Tunnel, our storytelling slash sketch show at the People's Improv Theater on uh, September 19th at 9.30 p.m. Okay, and people can find out about that where? At uh, bridgeandtunnelnyc.com. Okay, and Kristen, you are obviously on Twitter at Kristen <laughs> Cheeks, and you want people to follow you there. Still do, still do. Yeah, same as Jason. Okay, and AP Mike is at AP Mike on Twitter, and I'm trying, Mike. I talked to somebody. I, we got to get you verified on Twitter. This, this other clown is driving me nuts now. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen him. Tonight he's it's not very enough. he's not very active, uh, you know. At least I'll say that for him. Right, he flares. He's like he's like a herpes uh, flare up. <laughs> he just shows up. He's like yeah. he just. I mean, not that I I would know, but it's just like what people say about that. It seems like he just resurfaces. <laughs> like you're on Twitter suddenly. Oh, there he is. <laughs> this guy. He's like a like a bad penny. Just shows up again. <laughs> and he he's trying to do some cheap version of you. Yeah. Come on, Twitter. Yeah. Verify AP Mike. Well, somebody AP Mike. Somebody did uh, go through the trouble of setting up a petition of sorts. I saw that. Yeah. And um how many signatures? I don't know. It's like two fifty something wow. the last time I looked. Two fifty. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So But um I'm hoping I'm Twitter. When you get back, Tom, I'm gonna unleash my next musical uh adventure. Okay. It's it's ready to go. I've heard it. I'm I'm, I'm ready to I I need to brace myself for this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. You really need to brace yourself for this one. <laughs> this one's kind of out really? there. Yeah. If you thought the last one was out there, this one's yeah, it's kind of experimental. We play and we we play that Michael Perry uh before the the live shows uh-huh. and I I'll hear it as we're backstage. <laughs> suddenly I hear over the PA, I'm like here like boy girl boy. Michael Perry was the guy and I'm like and he's oh screaming. God. And he's screaming. <laughs> and he's screaming. Yeah, people yeah. are. Uh... Yeah, people love it, Mike. Uh, I had yeah, somebody. People love it. I had somebody describe their experience with it recently. That uh, the music itself was was driving her a little crazy. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I thought the music was the best part of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, people, people can buy that by going to your Bandcamp page at. Uh, what yeah. is it? com. Yeah. So people should go over there and uh, pick it up. Sure. And you can donate you could, a minimum of a dollar, but give more than a dollar. Mm-hmm. Just, just give more than a dollar. Pay, PayPal takes yeah. a, a big hunk out of those dollar donations for some reason. Yeah. So throw, throw a little more money at the guy than a dollar. After I, all the years he's been doing it for you, I throw him something it. back. 
All right, final calls. Okay, let's hear it. Best show. Yeah, this is Adam from Tampa. How's it going, Adam? This is Dudio. I'm well. How are you? Great. Tom's on the phone. You've got AP Mike and Kristen. Hey, guys. How's, how's everybody doing tonight? Good. Great. Good to hear. So I have a, a funny story. Uh, I work at a call center, right? Okay. How every funny story starts. <laughs> I had a caller the other day. Um, the, the, the company I work for, they kind of afford us the opportunity to, you know, you know, uh, chat it up with our customers a little bit. Instead of just get them off the phone, get them off the phone, get them off the phone. What's your call time supposed to be? I'm sorry? What's your call time supposed to be? I used to work in a call center too. So what's the average like call time that they want for you? We don't have an average handle time. Oh, that's great. We can have a call go an hour, hour and a half. Wow. That's cool. And ours was seven minutes. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. I'm getting there. Go ahead, Cole. Go ahead. <laughs> I heard the bad company starting. I'm getting there. Go ahead. Um, no, no, no. That was just me humming something just going through my mind for a second. No, I Stray got you. tune. I got you. Yeah, yeah, beautiful stuff. Six gun in my hand. Uh, Let's hear the story, Adam. Come on. Well, uh, I had a caller the other day. Sounded just like Charlie Morgan. Uh-huh. Okay. Was it? Sounded just like him. It was scary. Mm-hmm. Was it somebody else? He, he was. Um, no, no, it wasn't Charlie Morgan, obviously. Charlie and even if it was, I wouldn't be able to tell tell you that. But. He sounded just like him, right down to this story he was telling. And, uh, you know, what was going through my head the entire time I was talking to him was the Bad Company theme song. So it's funny that you brought that up. Oh, go ahead. Go. No, we're listening. Any other details about this? Down to Thanks for taking the call. He, he got out. What's that? He got out. Oh, what a <laughs> yeah, story! That sounded like that sounded like Charlie Morgan. It was it was terrifying. Really? That's it. Jeepers creepers, man! All right, two more calls. This, 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 this is what happens when AP Mike's in the in the uh, not a uh, he's not a, he's in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we see the we see the cracks and the whole thing. I would have, yeah, I would have uh, asked him to uh, elaborate further. Ah, but that wasn't vetted that. Yeah, that that wasn't quite enough. Yeah, you and him would start writing fake details. Yeah, haven't reached that point. Yet. <laughs> that's yeah, a good yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, you haven't reached the. <laughs> What would that be? The James Fry level of things? Yeah, start making stuff up. Another author. Look at this. I think I was living in a bookstore the way I'm talking. Sounds like someone who went to Green Apple Books. <laughs> there you go. All right, we have another caller on. All right. Welcome to the best show. Hello. 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 
Hi, uh, this is Matt from Australia. And I was calling to see, Tom, once you finally topple the podcast world, are you going to take your tour overseas? Oh, who knows? Who knows? We'll see. We'll see what, what the what the, the, the people uh it's up to you people. I have no say over it. You you tell me that the demand is there. I I uh I can't imagine it would be. It'd be me and uh, four other people at this thing. We'd fly to Perth and then <laughs> be in a room with eight people in it, be like, Really? Oh no. Well at least it was a four thousand dollar plane ticket. Um <laughs> you, you, you can do you can do a living room tour. Sure, that's or or you can come here. <laughs> that I suppose that's more practical. All right, I'm dropping this call. Sounds like a telegraph. All right, guys. Yeah, it did sound like a. Should we pull? Should should we say good night? Let's do it. Let's say good night. Seriously, I want to thank uh, Studio and Mike and Kristen. Thank you for holding it down over there and. Um, for the 8 millionth time, come see us live if you're in San Francisco or Los Angeles. And um, the show will be back next week. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Have a good night. Bye, Mike. See you too, Mike. Right, bye. Bye.